Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description of this stream right now on YouTube where you can go ahead and get your question answered on the stream today if you just get it into the form. It's all you gotta do, it's free. Get your question in the form, and we can get it answered on the stream here today. Now, if you are watching this on the replay, I do wanna let you know that this entire stream plays out based on the questions that people ask during this stream. So because of that, as of this moment right now, I have no idea how the stream is going to go. But what I can tell you is that once the stream is complete, we add timestamps to the description. So you're going to be able to go down there and look in those timestamps if you're watching this on the replay and find the content that's most relevant to you or the questions that you know that, that you want to know the answers to based around what it is that you are doing on YouTube. Um, I also wanna let you know, if you are watching this on the replay, that we also have a podcast available for this. If you go to um, Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcasting platforms and you just type in Nimmin Live, then in that case, uh, this particular audio should show up there as well. So if you want to listen to it while you're jogging or something like that, that's cool too. But as we are getting into the stream today, is everybody showing up? For everybody that's here on YouTube, what is going on? Hope that you guys are doing fantastic. I'm excited to stream today. Super pumped up. So anytime I miss a stream, I think last time, um, last week, I think I was doing the dentist thing, so I wasn't able to stream last week, but we're here today. Super pumped to you know just get into it and to start answering your YouTube questions. But before we do, I do wanna let you know that today's stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you um, identify topics to make videos about, help you identify thumbnails that are the most effective for the people that you're trying to reach through their A-B testing tool. Um, they help you optimize your videos for discovery, all kinds of helpful features that they have, but they have over 90 different tools that can help you with your YouTube channel. You can try TubeBuddy for free at TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin, and you can see what TubeBuddy can do for you. In addition to that, this stream is co-brought to you by the kind folks over at, if I got the camera there, StreamYard. Um, they are the live streaming service that I use to stream this every single Saturday, unless I'm at the dentist, at 9 a.m. Eastern. And the reason that I use StreamYard is because they make live streaming easy for me. They do all the heavy lifting in the cloud. So in the event that I have a problem with my computer, with my network, with if the power goes out for just a second, typically if I was using another piece of software, I would just completely lose the stream and everybody that was hanging out in the stream. But with StreamYard, they make it to where they hold everything open for me in the cloud and I can come back in as soon as I get all that stuff reset, or I can just hop in on my phone, keep everything moving while, you know, while people are, are coming or while everything's coming back on. In addition to that, they make it easy to add graphics onto the screen like you can see on the screen right now. And they also make it easy to bring on guests. They even have local recording now. So if you're a podcaster, they are a great resource for you. Or if you're doing any type of interviews where they record on both ends. They record on your end um, as the host and they record on the guest end and then they give you high quality footage from both, which is fantastic. So you can try StreamYard um, as well through the link that, that I have down in the description or you can go to StreamYard.com um, and you can check them out for yourself as well. So with all of that stuff out of the way, I hope everybody's doing fantastic. I'm just super pumped up to just be here today. Um, looks like people are using those emojis, which is fantastic. Feel free. If you are a content creator and you don't know that um, YouTube has rolled out emojis pretty much across YouTube on every YouTube channel for their live streams, um, we have emojis now. Not just normal emojis, but they're emotes. And um, with those, you just click on the little smiley face icon there in the YouTube chat. 
click on that and then you're going to see like a whole other section there of additional little you know fun faces and things like that that you can add and make sure if you're watching this on a mobile device which i know most of you are make sure that you are slamming that you know that heart button those faces you know all of that because i see all of those coming in right here in the live chat right now which looks pretty cool it's my first time actually being able to see it on a computer so super pumped about that but what we're going to do if this is your first time here is we are um, answering YouTube questions. So this whole thing is free and how it works is there's a form down in the description right now. We, we're, we're starting to get some questions in there now. So make sure that you get your question in there quickly. Um, but there's a form in the description and you can put your question in there. And basically the whole form just says, what's your question? What's your channel? That kind of stuff. And then I look at the question here and then I answer the question. So right now, as we get started with the stream, I focus everything for the first probably two hours on the form itself. And then from time to time, I'll hop in the chat and answer a question there as well. So we can you know, try to answer as many questions as we possibly can. So we can try to help you simplify all of the complexities of YouTube. So we're gonna go ahead and get into it, starting right now with, uh, let's see here. The very first uh, question here is from Cato Simple. Cato Simple says that they have a, uh, I'm gonna guess a Cato channel. Yeah, Cato product reviews, recipes, accountability, and lifestyle content. Um, the goal of the channel is to grow a community and showcase my own weight loss, um, starting at over 420 pounds. Wow, high five and fist bump to you for for uh, for you know for doing that. Um, and then the question is, for long form content, do you see YouTube moving away from thumbnails into more intro-based attention-grabbing techniques, or do you think thumbnails are likely to remain for a good while yet? So this is a fantastic question. So when it comes to this question, what they're referring to is if you're on a desktop computer and you hover over a thumbnail, then it's gonna start auto playing the video. If you're on a mobile device and you're skimming through YouTube, you're gonna see that YouTube is going to start, you know, previewing or auto playing some of the videos that you pause on. So this question right here is more about, you know, are they pretty much gonna remove thumbnails and make thumbnails irrelevant and just focus everything on what it is that people are first seeing when the videos start. So here are my thoughts on that is is the very first is to make sure that you are considering that autoplay. So, you know, when you're putting your videos together, you may want to have, you know, some text pop up on the screen or just something that's gonna be attention grabbing for when that thumbnail goes away and your video does start playing. Um, but in terms of thumbnails themselves, it's important to know that over 90% of the highest performing videos on YouTube have custom thumbnails. Because of that, they're probably not gonna go anywhere anytime soon. Um, but in addition to not just the fact that almost all of the, successful videos on YouTube have thumbnails. In addition to that, um, you know, YouTube will also show them in other places on YouTube where they are going to be grabbing attention. So for example, um, if you're watching this on a video watch page right now on a computer, for example, then in that case, you're gonna see in the next up section over on the right-hand side of the suggested videos, you're gonna see that they're giving you, you know, a bunch of other things that you can watch. And if you're sitting here watching this stream right now, then you're gonna notice that the only thing that you're seeing over on that side is thumbnails. So because of that, it, you're not always getting that autoplay, it's just happening in, you know, in, in like when you're hovering over thumbnails and things like that. So because of that, keep using thumbnails, make sure that you are considering that intro though, in terms of like, hey, if I'm talking about, um, like in my case, right? Cause I'm talking about growing on YouTube. So some things in my case that I might wanna make sure that I highlight is maybe putting some text on there that will resonate with you guys. So if you hover over it, then you're going to see, you know, more of what I'm saying. Maybe I'll make that, you know, big and bold so you can focus on it, I'm not sure. But the idea is to just think of the people that are interested in your type of 
of content, and this is always the game, right? The people that are interested in your type of content, what can you do through your thumbnail imagery to help them identify that it's something they care about? But how can you emphasize that on your intro so that if they do start auto-playing it there, then how can you also use that moment in time to also possibly capture them? What's up, people? This your boy, Viper. The man about tech. Viper, man about tech in the house. What is going on, Viper? Hope you're doing fantastic, man. Nice to see you in the stream today. Shark Scrapper here today in the chat. What's up, Ernie? Hope you're doing fantastic, man. My brother D in the chat, hanging out. Creator Classroom, nice to see you here today as well. Chantel Hills, nice to see you here in the stream today. Jacker Crackers, love your channel name, man. Hope you're doing fantastic. Aperture Movement, hope that you are doing fantastic today as well. Doug Houston, YT, what's going on, my man? Urban Neil, Urban Van Life, hope that you are also doing fantastic as well as everybody else here that's hanging out and enjoying in the uh, the stream and you know just the conversation that's happening today. So hopefully that answered your question um, on the thumbnail and the video intro part, and we're gonna move on to the next question now. So um, this next question is actually going to be a super, super chat. chat from Learn Spanish World. Thank you for that, by the way. And it says, hey, Nick, a few times um, some of my shorts have been deleted. I get this SMS, shorts have been removed due to updated remix uh, permissions and I haven't updated anything as it's my own video. Why does this happen? So if it's your own video and it gets deleted, then the only thing that could have happened in that situation to make that actually you know, disappear would be that you would have had to have gone in and unchecked that box to uh, remove the ability for people to make remixes of your content. And when you do that, then of course it would remove any remixes that were attached to that. If you haven't done that, if you did not go in and, and physically check that box and, and, and save it and cause that change to happen, then in that case, that's a bug. And you might want to report that to YouTube or reach out to Team YouTube on Twitter. Um, you can contact them if you just at Team YouTube and you know throw it at or throw it in their direction on Twitter and um, and see if they can help you uncover that. Because in that case, if you're not, if you didn't uncheck that box, then in that case, um, I would lean on a bug in that situation in order, you know, in order to be on the safe side. And Renee Ritchie says, if a video is edited later, and he works at YouTube, um, by the way, he says, if a video is edited later, the remix or short edit will be removed to prevent whatever cut from being shown in the remix and short or whatever cut out in the remix or short. So if you make remixes shorts after the edit, they'll be fine. So that's another thing to consider there. Uh, learn Spanish world is if you did make any changes at all, but if you didn't do anything to the video, you didn't uncheck that box. And in that case, I would definitely reach out to team YouTube, see if they can um, get that sorted or just to bring it to their attention. Cause it might be something that's happening across the platform. Form, they just might not have, you know, had anybody reach out to them yet um, to, you know, bring it to their, uh, to bring it to their attention. So next up on our list, we have DRN makes DRN says the type of channel says I used to have a game development channel, but I want to change it and make a channel where I make stuff. Um, the goal of the channel says I want to show the world my ideas and try to make some money out of it, hopefully. And the question is, for context, I feel like doing game development, a game develop, development channel is not enough to grow my channel. So I thought that I would want to change my niche from game development to making stuff. But before this, I already have quite an audience that loves my game development channel. Really quick, I just want to say that that sounds contradictory um, with you know how you're saying like I don't think it's enough to grow my channel but I already have quite an audience that loves my my gaming development channel um, but the question is how do you change your niche um, to aim at a new audience without le losing your previous previous audience here's the problem right so um, what you're dealing with right here in terms of starting your channel in one direction and wanting to take it in another direction is a you know that that that's a common thing with content creators because some people will start and then they'll start making content for a while and they'll be like eh, you know what this isn't really the thing that 
that I want to like really focus on. And because of that, they'll end up, you know, not really, um, you know, being into it. And then they'll want to pivot their channel. However, when it comes to taking the audience with you, that's a totally different thing. Because if you want to pivot the channel, then that's okay. Because then you can start, you know, making more content that's in the direction that you're wanting to move the channel into. The problem comes when it comes down to depending on the interests of the people that are interacting with your current content. So for example, you had mentioned here that you're going to start making stuff. So if you do game development content and within that game development content, you have a bunch of people there that are game developers and they are wanting to better understand how to make games or they wanna watch your journey through making games or something like that. Then in that case, you have them with the interest set of like, hey, I'm interested in game development. So because of that, I'm going to make sure that I'm watching this channel on a regular basis. But then you have the other side, which is, okay, now I'm going to, and I'm just using this as an example, but now I'm going to show them uh, me making a desk, right? I'm going to show them making a desk because that's just something that I want to make. And when you show them making that desk, the problem happens when the people that are interested in the game content, they don't really care about making a desk, right? And then you, from there, you're like, okay, so I want to make the desk. And then after I make that desk, I'm going to make, you know, uh, my own tripod for my camera. And again, I'm just throwing these examples out. So the problem happens again to where it's like, okay, those people that are signing up for the games, if they don't care about desks, you're not going to get them to click on that. If they don't care about the, um, the, the tripods, then you're not going to get them to click on that. So then you end up with those people not coming over just because of their interests. Now, of course, the sweet spot is if you were in a position to where, you know, you had the type of like channel and the type of content that you're putting out and the personality that people are just watching you and it doesn't matter what you do. That's a really rare thing does, you know, does happen on YouTube, but that's a pretty rare thing. But you'll notice right away when you start making the new content in the direction that you want to go, you'll notice if you're going to have, you know, your, your, the, the people that are regularly watching your gaming development videos, you're going to notice if they're, if they're coming into your new content or not. But before we do that, another thing that I want to uh, just bring to your attention is for the people that are, you know, interacting with your uh, gaming development content, go in and look at how many views for per viewer you're getting. Go in and look at how many new viewers that you're getting in front of compared to returning viewers. And that might also be something that you wanna consider in your decision because you may find, you might not as well, but you may or you may not find that, you know, not every person is watching every video that you put out. Not every person is coming back to the channel on a regular basis, right? That you're getting in front of a lot of new people as well. And that's where, you know, some of your numbers are coming from. So because of that, I would just make sure that you are looking there and that you are just considering that if you are going to pivot, that you need to pivot based on what it is that you want, of course, and the direction that you want to go. And then the people that want to come along, they'll come along. The people that don't, it's okay, because through that pivot, you're going to grow a new audience that are interested in watching people build a bunch of random stuff. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully that helps. If you guys enjoyed that, make sure you hit that little emoji button down there, that little heart or, uh, or yeah, that little heart there. So I love seeing that kind of float here uh, in the in the stream. <laughs> it's like a good feedback mechanism here. Yeah, again, first time seeing that in the stream. So what I'm talking about is when you guys hit that little heart button down there in the bottom right hand side, if you're on a mobile device, I see those. They're, they're just, they just sit there and they just like float up in my chat, which is pretty cool. Um, so let's see here. So uh, Tube Spanner, Super Danielle, what's going on? Says, uh, why do videos about mental fat metal fasteners get such good retention? People find them riveting. Nice, nice. I'm seriously, you got to do a coffee table book. Like I'm not joking. A YouTube joke, coffee table book. A joke a day. So 365 of those. 
and uh, and then you got you got a book that you can uh, that you can put out. <laughs> hey, speaking of tube spanner, by the way, um, for those of you that are a tube spanner user, uh, make sure that you do get your tube spanner notepad out. Um, if you're not a tube spanner user, just as a heads up, just as a reminder for those of you that aren't using it yet, um, there is a built-in, and this is for computers. Um, if you're on a mobile device, of course, this isn't going to help you, but um, um, not yet anyway. But um, there's a tool within tube spanner. It's a free part of tube spanner where you can actually take notes on this live stream, and then you can download those notes after the stream so you can make sure that you're keeping track of all the different things that you learn um, or just all the things that you want to take notes on during the stream. So you make sure you check that out. I got a link to that in the description as well. Um, or of course, you can just go to tubespanner.com and you can try that for free as well. And you'll see on their TubeSpanner channel, I'm making content over there, all kinds of stuff. So it's definitely gonna be something that you're gonna want if you don't already. It's definitely gonna be something that you're going to uh, want to be uh, involved with in terms of the tool as it, um, it's a toolkit that helps YouTube content creators in a bunch of different ways. So next up, we've got Small Town Tourist is our next question here. They upload when they have time. Um, they do a travel history channel. The goal of the channel is to educate my audience and earn money. And the question is, is getting the majority of my views and watch hours from external sites harmful to my channel? Um, it's not harmful to your channel, but it's not like it's bringing people into your YouTube channel. And if those people are the right people, then, then it can help YouTube, you know, quickly understand who the right people are to show your content to based on how those people are interacting with your content. Um, however, if you're like, hey, I'm just going in these random Facebook groups where people are just like, you know, like sharing watch to where if I put my video there and they put their videos there, we just all kind of watch each other's videos to help each other get views. Or if you're on Reddit and you're doing that kind of stuff, then, or you're, or you're doing things like where you're going on like certain subreddits and you're like trying to get feedback just so you can get people to look at your videos and you're not getting the right people into your content, then in that case, um, it's not helping you, right? But if you are like wanting to thrive on YouTube, what you need to do, and it doesn't matter what other way that you get traffic, what you need to focus all of your efforts on is how do I get people to respond good to my content on YouTube. Because if you can learn to get people to respond to your content on YouTube, then in that case, you don't have to worry about like, hey, I gotta make sure I'm sharing my stuff over here. I gotta make sure I'm sharing my stuff over here. Instead, you publish a video and because you're publishing good content, you know how to get the target audience that you're trying to reach to respond to it. Then in that case, you're putting together content that's a good experience for them and you've made it easy for them to identify it's something that they care about. So then from there, as long as they respond to it at the click level and then they come in and they start enjoying the content and then they you know watch it and maybe subscribe to the channel, maybe they like it, maybe they share it with people, whatever, then YouTube, identifies that, hey, this person really enjoyed this content or this group of people really enjoyed this content when we show it to them on YouTube. And then when that happens, then once they identify that people are really enjoying this content, then they'll show it to more people. So if you wanna really thrive on YouTube, the best thing you can do is learn how to tap into making good content for people so that YouTube will show your content to more people. Now, saying that, right? Saying like, learn how to make good content, like that's easy to say because, you know, there is a lot of complexity when it comes to learning how to make good content for people. So let's talk about that for a second. So when it comes to making good content for people, like some things that you got to think about is one, the content should have a structure of some kind, meaning you take people from this to this, to this, to this. And it doesn't matter if you're doing gaming content. It doesn't matter if you're doing vlogs. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, teaching people stuff. It doesn't matter like what it is that you're doing. You want to have some type of structure to it because if you have that structure, 
structure, it's going to help you in a few different ways. One of those ways is it's going to, you know, kind of segment your process, you know, for editing. Two, it's going to create an actual experience for people instead of them watching it and trying to figure out what's going on or what it is that you're doing or, you know, what might be happening next. You, you know, through your structure, you, you know, take people through your content instead of just kind of throwing it all at them, so to speak. So there's more intentionality involved. In addition to that, if you have a structure of some kind, um, of course, most of this is content dependent, but if you have a um, if you have a structure of some kind, another thing that you can do because you know that structure you're gonna be taking people through is you can actually use that in the hook or the very first part of your video. So like, for example, if you are somebody that's on camera, then in that case, you can say, hey, you know, I'm gonna be showing you this. Or I'm gonna be taking you on this journey with me today. Or hey, you know, the, hey, here we are. Hey, what's going on everybody? Today, we are going to the mall and we're gonna try to find, you know, the best clothes that we can possibly find for the cheapest price, right? So then the, you are creating that initial part of the structure for them and, you let, and you're letting them know, hey, this is what it is that I'm going to be taking you through. And then, you know, through that whole thing, then in that particular case, you know, you are, um, you know, kind of getting them attached to the video or interested in the video at the beginning. And then, of course, through the structure that you create or that you plan out for your video, then you're, you know, literally pulling them, you know, through your content. So because of that, just make sure that you have, you know, a structure for your video. The next thing you want to do is, of course, make sure you have a hook, which is part of what I talked about. If you're not somebody that goes on camera, then in that case, if you're doing animation content or something like that, then in that case, when your videos first start, you do want to start setting up the story in that case, because that is, you know, part of your hook as well. Um, but then once you start getting into the content, the next thing that you have to do, and this is the part that frustrates a lot of content creators, especially if you're getting started, but the next thing you have to do is you have to start leaning on the data that you get back from YouTube to start making better decisions about the content that you're making. So for example, you're like, okay, hey, this is my intentional structure that I'm putting together, so this is what I'm starting with. But now, what I'm gonna do once I start publishing videos is I'm gonna start going into my YouTube analytics, and I'm gonna start trying to pay attention to, through my audience retention reports, and that's one, if you're taking notes, make sure you write that down if you're not familiar with what that is, and, and Google it, and, and you know, you'll get a lot of information about audience retention reports. But you wanna go into your audience retention reports, and you wanna say, okay, do I notice any type of patterns in any of the content that I'm putting out or even in one video where I do something in that video and it causes people to leave? If so, then you start adjusting your 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 structure of your video that you take people through and you start making notes. Okay, when I do these things in the videos, people leave. When I do these things, people typically stay for a longer period of time. Um, when I make videos like this, people typically enjoy them more. When I make videos like this, they don't. But you start using the data from YouTube to inform you on how you can make the better content for the people that you're trying to reach with the content that you have. So that's the idea when it comes to you know making the better content. And if you can learn to do that and you can learn to do it consistently, then in that case, you're not gonna have to like try to share your videos all over the place in order to get you know a handful of those people or even a lot of those people to come in. Now, in some cases, just as a heads up, um, uh, you know you can share extremely effectively. So for example, you know, on Reddit, there's certain subreddits where you can go in there if your content type supports it and if it's a great fit for some of those subreddits where you'll post a video there and people will love it. And then you'll get like crushed with a bunch of views. But with a lot of content, that's just not something that, you know, that, that you want to be spending a lot of time on because at the end of the day, no matter what, and it doesn't matter where you're sharing content, you still have to learn how to get people to respond on YouTube if you want to thrive on YouTube, right? 
Roger Wakefield in the house. What's up, man? Hope you're doing fantastic. Nice to see you. Merry Christmas to you as well. And he says, uh, Merry Christmas to us, uh, to me and D, and to the entire Niminati. Thank you for that, Roger. Hope that you're doing fantastic, my man. Merry Christmas to you as well. And Happy New Year as well to you and everybody else uh, Everybody else here. D and I are actually doing a stream um, this coming Saturday on uh, Christmas Eve, local time. Um, we are going to be doing a, uh, a live stream together again. We're going old school on everybody here. <laughs> okay, so next up on our list here, we've got um, Ain't Newbie. Ain't Newbie says they upload when they have time. Um, they've been on YouTube for a year or more. Um, the type of channel is Roblox Gaming Let's Play. The goal of the channel is to entertain people with a unique uh, quality video. And the question is, if I were to commentate on someone else's video on my video, that can fall, somebody else's video on all, if, basically if they do a commentate, if they commentate on somebody else's video for their video, that can fall under fair use dealing, but what if that person's video contains licensed music? Yeah, then in that case, you know, you're going to uh, be the one that's at risk there. Um, so because of that, I would not risk that. Um, one thing that you could do, um, just as kind of like a workaround or like one safety measure, but I still wouldn't, you know, I, I still wouldn't use it in that case. But one thing that you could do is just one safety measure is some content creators, they will put a link in the description of like what music service they use. So for example, you know, we have our, our music service called Creator Mix. Um, you know, a lot of you that hang out in the stream, you're familiar with this already. Um, but with Creator Mix, basically, you know, some people will put a link to Creator Mix in their video descriptions. So so if it was a content creator that was using creator mix, um, then in that particular case, you would say like, okay, so if they're using creator mix, then you go and research creator mix and you're like, okay, it seems like, you know, this is all like free to use music. So then in that case, you know, I'll sign up for an account there and then I'll, you know, I can go ahead and do it. Um, in addition to that, let's say that you see that they're using epidemic sound or something like that, or art list or somebody, then in that case, that same exact thing. Okay. Let me see if I can find this song. Um, and then you go through and you could look through their humongous archive of songs or the worst thing to do, but this is an option. I'm just saying, if you really wanted to do it, it would be cross your fingers, sign up for one of those accounts and then do it. But then what you're going to end up doing in that process is you're going to end up signing up for a bunch of accounts that, you know, some of them can get pretty expensive, like Artlist, for example, I think it's like 300 or $400 a year. But like when you sign up for them, then you would end up spending a lot of money signing up for all these different services just so you can use a song. So because of that, I would either try to um, only use the ones that have you know free to use music in them if you are going to do that sort of thing. But even still, like I would be, I would be careful. Um, I would always be careful when it comes to using other people's content because we're like one legal you know change away from that you know kind of imploding on people. Um, and um, you know another thing with that too is I actually am going to have some information coming out. It might be happening actually in my live stream next week. Um, but, but for the, 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 the news live stream that I do, um, on Fridays, um, but there's actually a risky thing right now, um, that's going to be happening in 2023, um, that is kind of putting YouTube recommendations at risk. So this thing has surfaced before in the past in a different way. And it's surfacing again with a legal case. that's actually going to the Supreme court, um, here, I think it's in February of next year. It's either in February or, or June of next year. Um, but it's one of those things that like has, you know, for people that know about this, it's kind of got everybody on edge a little bit, um, you know, in, in, in that sort of thing, but just make sure you check in for the news because I think that's where I'm going to, um, you know, kind of explain it to everybody a little bit more. Um, I might even make a video about it as well, because, you know, if there are actions that we can take as a community to, you know, talk to 
um, you know, to, to, you know, send letters or phone calls or emails or whatever to anybody that we need to, then, you know, then I'll be making that video so that we can all kind of get on board with that. Um, but in addition to that, um, yeah, Renee Ritchie says, you know, also Bill C-11 um, that, you know, that's happening in Canada. So there's like a lot of, you know, things like that going on <laughs> right now. So just make sure that, uh, you know, make sure that you guys are, you know, paying attention. Uh, make sure you're following, you know, follow, you know, me on Twitter, follow my brother on Twitter, follow Renee Ritchie on Twitter, follow Team YouTube on Twitter, um, follow, you know, start looking around for like people that work at YouTube, follow them on Twitter, follow them on LinkedIn. And the reason that you want to do that is because when things like this, you know, pop up, um, those are like the first places that you're going to see, you know, that type of information. So just make sure that you are, you know, kind of doing your own as a content creator. If you're somebody that's doing this seriously, make sure that you are doing your own, you know, uh, due diligence there, so to speak, um, by, you know, following the accounts where you can get that kind of information when there are, you know, risks like that that pop up. So next up, we've got exclamation destination. Um, they upload one time per week or more. Hybrid Steel, what's going on, man? Hope that you're on fantastic. Wait a minute. Didn't you get your channel? Uh, did you get your channel back? Yeah, I hope I hope that's your new, I hope, or not your new channel, but I hope that's your uh, your old channel. I hope that you got it. Uh, I hope you got it back. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got, uh, let's see here. We did, yeah, exclamation destination says that they do travel content. The goal of the channel is to do YouTube full time. And the question is, I just started a new travel channel. Some videos cover a destination with a number of highlighted places to see at that destination. My question is, should I put the best highlighted place at the beginning of my video with the hook to keep retention, or should I put it towards the end for the payoff? Experiment, see which one people respond to best. So you could just give a little like glimpses of it, or you know, just talk about how you're going to go into detail about that or whatever, just kind of experiment at the front. Um, but you know, with all of your ideas, Shane, as a content creator, one of the best things that you can do is you can say, one of the best things you can do is you can say, you know what? I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I have this idea. So since I had this idea of like, you know, hey, should I try this at the beginning? Should I try it at the end? I'm gonna experiment through the different videos that I publish. I'm gonna see which ones, the people that are responding to my content in terms of, you know, clicking on it, I'm gonna be able to see what they respond to best, right? Because through those experimentations, you can really learn a lot about the people that are interacting with your content and the things that they do and do not like when it comes to, you know, the videos that they're watching. Um, so I really recommend that you do that. Um, let's super see here. Chat. So science-based fitness. Thank you for the super chat it says, Hey, Nick, I'm still slowly growing. I appreciate your help. Mary Chrysler, Mary Chrysler. <laughs> I don't know if that was a typo or not, but yeah, Merry Christmas or Chrysler, you know, to you, uh, as well. Hope that you are, uh, hope that you are fantastic. So D, um, says show his tweet on, um, on the screen. I'm not sure what's going on there. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me pull up D's Twitter account here really quick. He says, uh, show my tweet on your screen. So I'm gonna go here to D's thing. Let's see the reveal that we have. Um, let's see here. Okay, so that's for that. Yeah, I'm not sure which tweet you're, uh, what you're talking about there, D. So I see one here from where you're holding your phone. I see another one here from, um, from Neil about one of the uh, YouTube features there, but I'll show it anyway, um, just for the sake of showing that. You guys are actually gonna see the whole interface here. Let me move this one over to here so you don't see that one because that one's top secret. So then uh, let's see, there we go. Okay, so uh, present and then let's do share screen. And then we have this and then bam. So here is D's channel. Yeah, I know. Renee's like, yeah, D, uh, Nick has lots of trust in D's Twitter feed. Yeah, I'm, I'm like nervous uh, right now. 
because because I know D, right? He, he's getting ready to troll me probably. So yeah, so like right here, you know, for example, you know how D's retweeted this um, right here, talking about a new tool for creators, talking about you know the uh, you know the 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 video processing thing that we were talking about in the news uh, yesterday. I'm not going to show some of the other stuff there just because I'm not sure what I have. Uh, oh, tweets and replies. He's like directing me through this here. Let's see what we got. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to add this to the uh, stream. Oh, interesting. So the Urban Explorer says, I have to get this cleaned up. Lights fixed, new cam and audio system together by next Saturday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so here's what we got. So uh, so since we're streaming here, oh my gosh. So this, for those of you that have been around for a while, like you're gonna recognize this, this setup right here, right? Cause this is when we, you know, started like really going hard on live streams when D and I would live stream every Saturday together. Um, but you can see here, he's got to clean all this up by Saturday. So D, it might be easier for you to just come over here. Um, and then, you know, we set up a camera pointing in this way. I can get a mic over there. Um, that's probably an easier way to do it instead of, instead of you know, trying to, uh, trying to do that. Cause that's, uh, yeah, that's a doozy uh, right there. <laughs> all right, so next up on our list here, let me move this back over into here. Okay, there we go. And let me remove this stop screen. Okay. So next up on our list here, let me uh, let me scroll up here because there were some super chats to come in. Let me get those really quick and then we'll get back into the form. Super so uh, let's see here. So Neil says, um, go buy D a few energy drinks. He's going to need it. Absolutely. Absolutely is. Um, Ace Trainer Moose says, uh, thanks for the tips over the past few years. Nick started posting on a new channel a month ago and already over 600 watch hours and 200 subscribers. Thanks for all the help. High five and fist bump to you for knocking out your first 200 subscribers in um in a month that's nice work fantastic and you and you've got 600 watch hours already too so you're definitely heading in the right direction nice uh nice work there always love those make sure i got everybody caught up here and i do okay so uh so let's see here so next up on our list we got that question there so we're on question number six now and um this one is from samples and tests samples and tests says that they do variety content um, the goal of the channel is to figure it out as they go and eventually make money. And the question is, is it a good idea to make videos focusing on a product and service niche related that you have an affiliate with, assuming you disclose that it's an affiliate? It can be. If you are, if you are trying to, you know, generate income, which you said that you are eventually making money, then in that case, um, there's different approaches that you can take. So I'm a fan of the approach where you're like, hey, I'm gonna build a YouTube channel. I'm gonna build something that's sustainable. I'm gonna build something where I can continually add value to people over a long period of time. And I'm gonna play the long game. And by playing the long game, it's going to help me be able to, if you're trying to make money, it's gonna help me be able to add the most value and make the most money over a period of time. Um, and then there's the other approach where you're like, hey, I'm going to make a YouTube channel where I'm going to feature, um, or where I'm just gonna focus on like every video um, where I'm trying to like promote something and I'm trying to do that, that's fine. Fine. Those do work um, and you can make, you know, substantial amounts of money doing that. But I would just make sure that you do, you know, ensure I just make sure that you make sure that you are, um, you know, finding ways to add value through the content that you're putting out. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to just be throwing stuff at people all the time and, you know, trying to get people to buy stuff all the time. Because if you are doing that, then in that case, you know, you will make sales, but you're probably going to have a little bit more of a 
uh, difficult time, you know, trying to, you know, grow a community and things like that. Um, but if you're like, hey, you know, I'm adding value to you and I'm also bringing other things to your attention that I can make money off of, um, I believe that that's a, you know, a good approach to take. And that's um, that's much more marathon thinking than it is sprint thinking, um, so to speak. So um, so for that, I would definitely, you know, consider that approach. But of course, you know, your call, both of them work um, in terms of, you know, accomplishing your final goal, which is eventually make money. Both of them, you know, will do the same thing there. But I think that you will get, and this is from, you know, my experience and from the experiences of everybody that I know that has a successful YouTube channel. Um, when you are trying to do it to make money, then in that particular case, you will make money. However, if you're like, hey, I'm gonna make money, but I'm also gonna try to add as much value that I can to people. And keep in mind, value is interpreted differently by everybody. But you know, value typically comes down to you are entertaining people, you are motivating people, you're teaching people stuff, you know, those types of things. You're trying to help people think in different ways, you know, that kind of stuff, it's all value. But basically, if you make sure that you're that you're always focused on value first, as Doug Hewson, you know, um, proudly promotes there with the value first, if you make sure you're focusing on that, then in that particular case, there's gonna be a lot more opportunities that are gonna come your way that will help you thrive even more than just focusing on like, hey, I'm gonna sell this thing as an affiliate, right? So then by doing that, you're growing your personal brand or just a brand, and you are also bringing attention to you know, particular things that you, you, know, that you believe in. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list here, Ron's Trains and Things. Nice to see you, my man. Hope that you are doing fantastic today. The Matt Cave, what's going on? Hope that you are doing great here as well. Coach Sherry, nice to see you in the stream today. Good morning. So Valerie YT um, is the next channel. They have a motivational channel. The goal of the channel is to make an impact as a creator. And um, let's see here. The question is, hey, Nick, what is the best way to ask my subs to become channel members if I have a faceless channel? What could I offer those members if I don't want to go on camera? Um, exclusive content. If you don't want to go on camera and you're doing you know, motivational stuff, then in that particular case, you could offer um, exclusive content to them that you don't publish on your YouTube channel. So you would have to balance out you know, if that would be worth it for you or not. Um, you could offer other motivation-related things. So this is one where knowing your audience would you know, add a lot of clarity here. So if you're going after people that are watching content, you know, that is motivational content, then there's a really good chance that they're either trying to get motivated or they're already a motivated person. They're just adding fuel to the fire, so to speak. So then in that particular case, what you would want to think of is like, okay, people that are either driven or trying to be driven to, you know, to do things or to, you know, accomplish stuff, um, then, you know, for those types of people, what could I offer? So then in your particular case, if you did have like, you know, channel members, you could offer like downloads, for example, because like in your community post, you have the option there to where you can put, you know, exclusive stuff um, that only members can see. So you could drop exclusive videos there, just short motivational things. You could do motivational messages there. Um, you could um, create like an email that people would get where you can send out like daily emails to them that just kind of, you know, help them start their day off right. Um, you could put together like, uh, you know, routines for people. I mean, I'm just spitballing with you here. Like I, you know, like I'm not sure what, you know, skill set you have and what, you know, exactly you'd be able to do. So I'm just throwing some stuff at you here. But you could do, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like routine, you know, routines that you put together for people in terms of like, wake up, do this, wake, you know, then do this, then do this. If people are, if you're reaching more of the people that are trying to, you know, motivate themselves. And then if you are tapping into the people that are already motivated, then just, you know, kind of reinforcing, you know, that motivation through additional, you know, motivational messaging and text form, image form, and all that through your community feed. But keep in mind, if you're doing that, you would definitely need to balance out in your case specifically, like, okay, 
um, if I'm adding all this exclusive stuff, would it actually be more advantageous to me to just leave this public and not necessarily, you know, close it down to members only, right? So you just have to balance that out. So if you can get a lot of people joining, then of course it would be. Um, but if you're like, hey, you know, I'm having a hard time getting people to sign up and things like that, then you would need to reconsider, you know, of course, exactly what it is that you're offering, obviously, <laughs> right? So, uh, so hopefully that helps. Um, but that's, you know, just a little bit of brainstorming there. And hey, for those of you that are watching over on uh, Instagram, looks like we just got a couple people over there. Um, we are live over on YouTube as well. So over on YouTube, there's a form down in the description that, that people are filling out. And that's where I'm pulling these questions from that you're listening to. But feel free, if you want to just listen over there on Instagram, that's totally cool. Um, but I, you know, encourage you if you do have a YouTube app in your phone, um, do head over here to uh, YouTube and come over to my channel here, um, where you can actually join in the conversation because we've got like 245 people hanging out here, other content creators that you know, that you can hang out with, or at least you can participate in the chat over there as well. So next up, we've got X Diamond. X Diamond does bi-weekly content. Um, they have a music channel. The goal is to be famous someday. And the question is, hello, Nick. In the last two months, I've created many shorts of my long videos to increase exposure of my channel. But since I started doing it, views of my long videos have started to go down. Why does this happen? So um, I would definitely need more context here because it's possible that maybe you're not uploading as much long form content because you're leaning on the short form content, things like that. And you know, those types of things can cause you to start getting you know, more attention on the shorts if people are responding better to the shorts and it might seem like the long videos are going down or just through time, they're just you know, kind of losing a little bit of steam just based on them being on the platform for a little bit, things like that can happen. Um, but in terms of you publishing shorts and that making the, making YouTube uh, stop uh, uh, giving impressions on your long form content. Um, that's not something that you should be too concerned about because that shouldn't be as long as you, everything else is, you know, like staying the same and you're not just like flooding your channel with YouTube shorts, for example, and you're putting out like one long form video and then like a hundred YouTube shorts. Um, then in that case, you know, the, the long form content should still, you know, be, be maintaining there. Kato Simple says, uh, thank you for the super chat, by the way, says, uh, what is the best way to be, uh, um, to bring notice to the availability of video super thanks to your content? So with those, um, I, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. So I made some graphics. So I have a website called Tuber Tools and there it's basically like a whole website where people can get like video graphics and stuff. And there we actually made some super thanks graphics, but I didn't put them in there because I was watching a... Um, YouTube video, like when all that stuff was happening. And in that particular, like when they first rolled this out and in the particular video that I was watching, the content creator was like, really like he was focusing more on trying to get people to give a super thanks than he was the actual content itself. And I was like, man, if I put this in, in tuber tools, then there's a really good chance that people are going to be like trying to like force that more than they're going to be trying to give value, which is a same, which is something people already do with trying to get subscribers. So I'm like, if we put this in here, then it, it, it could kind of get people doing the wrong thing. So because of that, I just decided not even to put them in there. Um, but if you wanted to, you could absolutely, you know, you could add graphics to it. You could add some type of call to action in terms of, this is what a lot of people do is they'll say something like, you know, Hey, and by the way, um, you know, as a means to, you know, support the channel so I can make more content like this, um, there's a, you know, button you can click called super thanks, um, to where you can, you know, donate a little bit of the channel if you're enjoying the content and just those little call to actions, you know, can go a long way, but just keep in mind, you know, when it comes to, um, when it comes to YouTube, any of those little nudges that you can give are powerful and they work. However, the thing that you have to make sure that you're focusing on more than everything else, and this comes to your calls to action for everything, trying to get people to comment, trying to get people to subscribe, trying to get people to give you super thanks, all that stuff. Like 
at the core of everything, you have to make sure that you're focusing on the value that you're giving, because if you're not focused on that, then there's no, you know, like, it's like, hey, this person, every time I watch their video, they're trying to get me to give them a super thanks. And I can go watch a hundred other YouTube channels that are gonna show me similar content where they're not doing that. So because of that, I would just try to make your call to action for that, just kind of subtle, um, so that it's there, you're giving them that nudge for the people that are like, you know, really into what it is that you're doing, but it's not something that you're trying to, you know, cram down everybody's throat and trying to get, you know, everybody to do that's watching the videos. The Artist Haven says, uh, member for 36 months, thank you for that, says, uh, wishing you and your family and the Nimenati a happy and blessed holiday season. You too, you too. Thank you for that. I, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate the message and the, and the snowman emoji and the present emoji. Like those are, those are great too. <laughs> so, uh, so thanks. Uh, so here, next up on our list here, we've got um, quotes for you. Quotes for you. Um, I'm going to guess it's a quotes channel. Yes, it is. Um, the goal is to improve people's lives. Fantastic. And the question is, hey, Nick, um, how can I take advantage of shorts to build community? Um, upload a decent amount of shorts to your YouTube channel, keep consistent with them, upload on a regular basis, and make sure that you're just paying attention to the stuff that works and the stuff that doesn't work. So for example, one thing I'm noticing, because I'm going through this process right now on TikTok, right? Because I'm uploading some content over there as well. And by the way, if you're not following me on TikTok, make sure that you do, because I'm going to start live streaming over there as well. But I'm also uploading like content up there that you're not seeing on YouTube. So one thing that I'm noticing on TikTok, and this is what all of you also have to be, you know, just kind of mindful of when it comes to, you know, your the patterns of the things people respond to is like right now, if I go to my TikTok account, um, I can see that the content that's doing the best right now is the content that doesn't have me in it. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, okay, so I either need to work on like my messaging there in terms of maybe how I'm starting the videos or maybe, you know, show them some other stuff first and then bring them to me or something like that. Um, but the content that seems to be doing, um, you know, the, the, the most outlier content seems to be content that is, um, the, the last two videos really, uh, out of the last three videos, it would be the last two or, or the, the, not the, newest, but the two before it, where I'm focusing on like the camera tech and a quick tip for that. And then the other one, I'm focusing on this live streaming device that I have um, over here that I'm using to multicast this. Um, this um, uh, in stream is what it's called. Um, but for there, I'm focusing both of those on the tech and not on me. So because of that, what I'm thinking, because you got to apply theory to this and think like, okay, why would they be responding better to that compared to some of the other stuff? And one of the things right out of the gate is there's a lot more people that just have cameras in general than there are that people that have have, you know, that have YouTube channels that maybe might be watching that. So because of that, um, you know, same thing with the tech, like, you know, hey, we got, you know, people on all of these platforms that might be on TikTok that could get value from those things. So maybe that's where the wind's happening. So what I have to do is I have to experiment and say, okay, well, now I'm going to start, you know, making some where I'm focusing maybe some on some like studio tips, maybe some, you know, little hacks for when you're, you know, you're doing stuff with your camera, things like that. In addition to tossing in some more, you know, quick YouTube tips, maybe more screenshot related things um, as, a, as a way to experiment and figure out, you know, what it is that, you know, the people that are, that TikTok is showing my stuff to over there, um, the stuff that they'll respond to. But, you know, when it comes to all of this, um, when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to, you know, any of these platforms, the whole thing, if you want to, you know, thrive on them is figuring out like, okay, what is it that people respond to when I publish it? And then from there, um, doubling down the stuff people respond to and doing less of the stuff that people don't respond to with the exception of the things that you're like, hey, I want to make this, like, I, I want to make this video. I want to get this out there. I want to show this to people or whatever. Then in that case, you should still do those. But just when it comes to performance overall, you got to make sure that you are paying attention to the things that people are and are not responding to so that you can, you know, 
help yourself thrive by doing more of the stuff that people do respond to. So next up, we've got, oh, we did quotes for you already. Um, so next up, we've got the Creator Classroom. Creator Classroom does Canva tutorials that helps content creators better understand how to use Canva for YouTube specifically. Um, but the goal of the channel is to help people learn how to use Canva for their YouTube channels. The question is, I get so excited about Canva, especially when there are new features that I can't figure out um, how to have a hard stop with a time limit when I know it's best for my body to have a hard stop. I've been having such a health struggle lately that I won't be able to actually talk Canva for hours during my streams. But yesterday I had a hard stop of 30 minutes and wound up talking for 43. Thankfully I had a co-host, so the burden of actually speaking wasn't um, wasn't on me the entire time. Thanks for your feedback. So um, I'm gonna guess, cause I didn't see a question in here. So I'm gonna guess your question is about like, hey, how do I, how do I stop at those times that I'm, you know, wanting to stop at? So of course, one of the things that um, that if you want to do a hard stop is just monitoring the time. And if you monitor the time, then just as you start getting closer to that time, just start closing it down, right? Because um, like when it comes to live streaming, one of the things that live streaming or making content, but you said a co-host, so I'm going to guess it was a live stream. But when you are live streaming, it's really easy to just keep going, especially if you got people in the chat and people are interacting like, you know, like especially like in your case, right? The content that you're making is adding value to people. I'm sure you're enjoying that because, you know, you're bringing attention to what it is that you're doing. You're probably making some affiliate sales from Canva. So you're making some money there. Plus you're adding value and you're teaching people how to do stuff and they're hanging out in your chat and they're appreciating what it is that you're doing. So it's hard to walk away. Like even me, like, you know, like right now it's almost 10 PM where I am. Um, and you know, the later in the stream, I was actually talking to D today about experimenting with like doing like two hours instead of three, but later in the stream, one of the things that's going to happen as we start approaching the 12 o'clock time is I'm still, unless my brain is, you know, turning into mashed potatoes, if I'm still like focused and everything, then as we approach that time, I start thinking like, Hey, we're getting close to 12. Like I should shut it down. But like, I like, you know, like I can still like go right. Like there's still questions that need to be answered. There's still people that are asking questions in chat and there's still, you know, people that you can help. So because of that, it makes it hard to stop sometimes when you're like, Hey, you know, I got to stop. But the thing that I want to focus on is the health side of things. We're like, hey, I've been having like a health struggle lately where I'm not actually able to talk Canva for hours during my streams. So in that case, you have to make sure that you're prioritizing yourself because if like in enforcing the stop. So it's like, hey, we've been, you know, showing, you know, we've been showing this, you know, and all that. But hey, um, you know, I have, you know, uh, other things that I have to do or my time limit for this is, you know, to this particular time and we're rolling up on it. So we're going to have to pick this up in the next stream or something like that and just call it. And the reason for that is because, you know, when you're adding value to people, the best thing that you can do is take care of yourself, take care of your energy, make sure that you know, you're know you able to you know function in the way that you need to in order to make sure that you're able to deliver the value that you deliver. So because of that, um, I would just do hard stops um, if you can, or just let people know, hey, you know, the people that are hanging out in the stream, just let them know, hey, we're gonna be stopping here in about you know 10 minutes or so. So we're gonna try to get through as much as we can. If we don't get through it, then you know we'll be having another stream on this day that we can kind of pick up where we left off. So hopefully you, you know, you'll come hang out there, that kind of stuff. Um, but the idea is make sure they are taking care of yourself first because always 100% of the time, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's gonna be reflected in everything that you do. It's gonna be reflected literally in everything that you do if you're not taking care of yourself, okay? Next up on our list, um, we've got, 
Um, Jacker Crackers. Jacker Crackers says they upload when they have time. They do tech content. The goal is to gain subscribers. And the question is, do you recommend going multi-platform? Um, what's the dentist thing? I'm not sure what that is. I got stitches this week. I feel I feel of my scooter. Please let the stream know. I'm scared. Think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what the exact question is there. Um, but in terms of going multi-platform, um, I do. As a content creator, um, especially if you have um, content that is, you know, well suited for multi-platform, then in that case, you know, yeah, like, you know, you might upload a TikTok video and you might upload an Instagram video and you might upload a YouTube short and then a YouTube long form video. And then let's say you hop on like Clapper and you're uploading vertical videos over there too. And you take that same video and you upload it in all these places, you know, with a different format. And when you do that, you're going to find out that maybe on Instagram, people over there, just based on how their system works, like the people that they're showing it to over there, they love it. But then you've got your TikTok account, like nobody's watching it over there. You get like three views, but you get like 100,000 views over on Instagram. And then you come over to YouTube Shorts. Let's say you get like, you know, 30,000 views over there. And then you have like the long form video and you get like three views on that because you're still trying to get people to click, <laughs> right? So it's like when you, when you go multi-platform like that, as long as you have the time to do it, then in that case, it just gives you a bigger opportunity to reach a lot more people with your content. Because yes, if you're uploading videos to YouTube, you're a YouTuber, but at the core of that, right? Cause you're a YouTuber, you know, like here, but like at the core of it, you're a content creator. So since you're a content creator, then by all means, if you have content that, you know, is well suited for other platforms as well as YouTube, if it's, if you have the bandwidth for it, if you have the time to do it, then in that case, absolutely, you know, just go ahead and, you know, get it on the other platforms because you might find that while you're trying to get everything rolling on YouTube, you're thriving on Instagram and you have brands reaching out to, you know, to you there and you're able to leverage that audience to let them know about your YouTube channel to help you, you know, get the right audience over on YouTube and those sorts of things. So absolutely, you know, consider um, if you have the time to do it, consider, you know, um, leveraging some of these other platforms as well. In fact, you know, we, we talked before um, about TubeSpanner. I mentioned that when I put up this little thing and I went through the whole thing about the notepad feature inside of TubeSpanner. Um, but another thing that they have inside of TubeSpanner, if you are somebody that does like multi-platform stuff, is um, they also have a link in bio tool that is it's a social bio tool. But basically what it is, it's where you can put the link in your description on like Instagram. Um, you can put it, or not your Instagram, but your bio on um, Instagram, on TikTok, um, on anywhere. And if somebody clicks into that, then they can actually see like, a video from you. They can see a button to subscribe to your YouTube channel. They can see links to like all the other places that you are active, those types of things. So then you can use that to kind of, you know, connect everything that you do and you can constantly be pushing people to, um, to that bio. So, you know, when it comes to just multi-platform stuff, you know, it's definitely something to consider. And, you know, that's why, like in my case, right? Like, you know, my main thing is talking about YouTube. So I've had this thing for a long time to where I'm like, it's gonna be weird if I go over to TikTok and I start talking about YouTube. But I went over there and I started talking, you know, about YouTube over there. And, you know, some of those videos, I got, you know, maybe 400 views, 500 views, something like that. But that's four or 500 people that was able to watch that content. And if they got some type of value out of it, then it was a good move for me to put that over there, right? So with some of the other ones that have gotten like thousands of views on them, like the, the ones that don't have me in them, there with those, I'm like, hey, let me just put these up here because they're not really what I want to put on my YouTube channel. So then, you know, with those, people are actually responding to them better over there, which now is making me think like, okay, well, maybe I can just add a totally different type of value over there with, you know, that type of content and then keep my YouTube stuff focused here so that I'm still serving content creators and giving them other things that might not necessarily be the perfect fit for my YouTube channel. So, uh, so definitely experiment.
That's what I'm getting at. That's the short version. Sure, experiment with other platforms. <laughs> That's the short version of what we're talking about. Um, next up, we've got Ace Trainer Moose. Ace Trainer Moose. Um, they do Pokemon gaming and anime content. The goal of the channel says, I want to be a Pokemon gaming and anime resource. And the question is, are shorts still a good resource for driving traffic to a channel and to long form content? Absolutely. Um, driving traffic to a channel, people are still blowing up from YouTube shorts or getting a lot of views on YouTube shorts or creating, you know, starting to get that momentum in YouTube shorts. Absolutely. Some of that will go over to, you know, some of that will transfer over into your long form content as well. But when it comes to your long form content, one thing that I recommend that you think about it or, or that you, you know, consider is leveraging shorts to drive people to your long form content is something that you can do but the bigger win that you're going to have is if you make content that's appropriate for the short shelf so that people that are in the youtube short shelf that are trying to enjoy content in the short shelf that you can give them stuff that they love there and then they can subscribe your channel and then youtube has it in their watch history and then when they log on to watch on the home button and they're in the mobile feed or they're on a computer and they're in the you know the section where they would get presented long form content, then as long as they, you know, enjoyed some of your shorts, then YouTube is more likely to show them some of your long form content as well. So absolutely shorts are definitely something that you can, um, that you can leverage. I'm going to be going a lot harder on shorts in 2023 as well, just because, you know, it's the way, right? Like all of this stuff, like it's funny, like for, for content creators like myself, who's been doing this kind of stuff for a while, it's an interesting thing because, because, you know, you have, like the way that you do things and then you have the way things the, the way that things are going and like you you have to you know you have to evolve as all of these you know as the platforms evolve you know that's how you stay like relevant for lack of a better way to say it that's how you ensure that you're going to keep you know doing the thing is to make sure that you're evolving you know with all of the platforms that you are you know putting content on as they evolve um let's see here next up on the list here we've got um, far North guy, far North guy does hunting, fishing, and outdoors content. The goal of the channel is to share my stories on living as a first nation person. And the question is, is YouTube declining new hunting bird slash waterfowl content creators for YouTube partner program? I still see ads on a lot of hunting channels. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I, I, I like, I wish I could give you an answer to that, but I have no idea the content that they are like limiting ads on and things like that based on the choices of the advertisers. I have no idea. Wish I could answer that for you though. Retro the emperor. What's going on, man? Hope you're doing awesome. Still make me think of Roberto Blake. Like, I love your name, but the emperor part always makes me think of Roberto Blake. <laughs> so uh, Troy Woods um, is our next channel here. Troy Woods does media content. The goal of the channel is to help the creative community. And the question is, do you have a video about your YouTube studio setup or can you quickly go over it? Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I don't have a video um, on the setup. Um, I've been getting asked that for a long time. I was going to do one, but I'm like, eh. Since I talk about it here a lot in the live streams, um, you know, I, I don't, but I, um, I'll, let's talk about it real quick. So what do I got? So um, the cameras that I'm using, um, both of like this camera and this camera and this camera, these are all Sony A6500s. Um, this camera and this camera have a 16 millimeter Sigma 1.4 lens on them. This one here has a 35 millimeter lens on it. That's where that close up comes from. Then I have this camera over here, which is a Canon 90D with a 16. 10 to 16 millimeter lens, I believe is what that is over there. Um, and then I have, uh oh, we went down. 
Then I have this one right here, which is the gear cam, um, which basically just kind of shows the gear setup for when people ask this question. Um, that one is a ZV, what's it called? A ZV-1, I think is the, uh, is the name of that one. But this setup here, this is a ATEM Mini Extreme. Um, this allows you to have up to eight HDMI inputs. So you can have up to eight different cameras or you could have like seven cameras and one like laptop plugged into it, you know, something like that. But it also allows you to record all of the cameras at the same time, which is pretty awesome um, if you choose to. In addition to that, oops, I'm also using this, which is a Rodecaster Pro. This is not the new one. This is the old one. Uh, but this is a Rodecaster Pro. This is what I use to process the audio on the fly, to Super add sound track. effects, you know, that kind of stuff. Thanks. Right? If so it allows me to be able to do that. And then this box that you're seeing right here, um, this is actually kind of a, this is actually a little bit more zoomed in than it should be. Um, but this box that you're seeing right here, this is what is allowing me to, to send this out to Instagram right now. So basically this box does vertical live streaming to the social platform. So what I can do here is I can do a vertical live stream to TikTok and Instagram. So this box is why I'm trying to get the thousand followers over on TikTok. So make sure you're following me on TikTok if you haven't yet. <laughs> but, um, but basically with this box, it allows me to multicast vertically, right? Um, and then when it comes to my regular live stream stuff, like what you what I have on the screen here, um, I use StreamYard to do the mainstream itself. Um, I have a YouTube chat here and then I use a Google form. So those things right there do the trick. And then I have um, the uh, Spotify open. So the music that you're hearing in the background um, that is coming from the creator mix, which is free music for content creators. It's our music service. Um, but basically it's streaming through Spotify right now. And then you it's porting through the roadcaster. Um, and that's where you can hear that coming through. For the lights, um, all of my lights currently are all Godex lights. Um, I have some aperture lights that I'm also really happy with, but just based on this current setup, um, I'm, I had to get some local lights and I needed to get them quickly. So I went ahead and got the Godex lights, but I'm super happy with all of them. So I have two key lights, or not key lights, but I have two backlights. One's right over here to hit me on this side. This Another one's right back here to hit me over here. And then um, I have a big, it's probably a better way to do it. I have a big uh, softbox light right here behind this, uh, you know, other monitor that I have. And this is where my, you know, this is my key light. And then I have a fill light that you can't see right, um, right, it's actually in front of this camera, but the camera sees underneath it. But it's in front of this camera right here. And then that fills in this side of my face. So sometimes in my live streams, I will, uh, I'll, I'll keep that one off or in some of my content or I'll turn it down super low. So it just get, adds a little bit more kind of depth, you know, to my scene and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's a setup. I'm trying to think of anything else that would be relevant or that would matter in terms of the setup. But yeah, I think that's um, I think that's it. So uh, so hopefully that helped. But another thing, just as a quick heads up, with this box that I have with this ATEM, is it also has. If you're like, how are how's he switching the cameras like automatically? So this thing has a um, like software that comes with it and you can program that software to switch it. So I can say like, I want this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time. And then by doing that, um, you just hit play and then you put it on loop and then it'll just switch through whatever sequence it is that you, um, that you set it for. So uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool device, but they also have smaller ones. So if you're like, I don't need eight cameras, um, then they have um, smaller ones that don't record, just called an A10 mini. You can put four cameras in there. Um, and then they have the A10 mini ISO with the ISO. Then it gives you uh, uh, four cameras plus the ability to record all four cameras at the same time. So let's see here. So, uh, 
Dikos Bassani, uh, Doe Bassani, I hope I'm saying that correctly, says, um, hey, Nick, congratulations um, for always bringing great content to us. Send a hug to all of your subscribers here in Brazil. High five and fist bump to everyone that is watching this in Brazil or that's even in Brazil. So uh, nice to see you here in the chat today and thank you for the super chat. I, uh, I appreciate it. Do you know Camilo? Yeah, Camilo, Camilo, is a, uh, Camilo is a friend if you're familiar with Camilo down there. So uh, let's see here. So next up on the list, we've got um, Edwin Coins TV says, thank you for all the support and very um, and a and great videos. Uh, God bless and Merry Christmas. Thank you and Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, let's see here, Matt Gabre, thank you for the uh, for being a member for 29 months. Says, if I don't get the chance to say it, thanks for another great year of YouTube education. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to those celebrating. Thank you for that and happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you as well. Getting like, getting love in here today. Love it. So, uh, so next up on our list here, um, we've got, let's see, Adventures with Time. Adventures with Time says they do watch content, reviews, collecting tips, strategies, and more. The goal of the channel is to educate new and experienced watch collectors. And the question is, any opinion on becoming an Amazon affiliate, um, more links to individual products versus Amazon influencer where you create your own storefront? Um, you can do it all. So you can create your own storefront, send people there for that. When you are talking about individual products in your videos, then in that particular case, like you can have your storefront, that would be like all the watches that you like recommend. But when you're talking about a specific watch, then in that case, you would use the influence or the um, Amazon affiliate for that particular thing. But within the watch space, you also have other watch uh, uh, outlets that also have affiliate programs as well. So if you go and look at like the popular watch channels, you'll see the main ones that they typically drive, you know, traffic to these watch outlets. So I would definitely look there because I'm pretty sure, because I was doing some of this research with a friend of mine that was going to start a watch channel. And um, with their affiliate programs, they actually pay out a lot more than Amazon. The only place that you really win on Amazon is if somebody clicks on your link and they go there and they don't buy the thing that you're recommending, but they end up buying something else, then you still get a cut of that as long as it happens within that first 24 hours of clicking your link. So that's the real win with Amazon because you know a lot of people are shopping on Amazon, obviously. Um, so that one's the, the the win when it comes to Amazon, but um, but if you are trying to make the most possible money as an affiliate, I would experiment with Amazon and I would experiment with some of the other watch outlets as well to see if um, you can find one that will actually give you a higher percentage for every sale that you make. Um, let's see here. And, and also one more thing, if you are a watch enthusiast and you are collecting watches and you do have your own arsenal, so to speak of watches, um, or your own collection of watches, keep in mind that Amazon also has another thing where you can make review videos of all of the stuff that you have, and you can upload that to their website. And then if people watch one of your videos before they make the purchase, then in that case, you're going to get a, a commission as well. So some people are making tons of money, um, with that particular thing by itself. So that's another thing that you can look into as well. And I think Walmart has something similar, but I don't think Walmart's selling nice watches. So that might not be the best fit for you. But other creators that are here, um, you know, Walmart does have a similar program. And I mentioned that in one of my news segments, like probably about a month ago, maybe a month and a half. And I got links in that one. So you'll have to kind of explore that to, to find the links to that. Um, but they have a similar program. So Ultra Instinct Josie says... They upload when they have time. Um, the type of channel is they make Tekken guides for Josie, some music and game playthroughs. Um, the goal of the channel is to entertain people with my editing style and personality. And the question is, I have a channel that throughout a couple of blue, hold on. 
I have a channel that threw out a couple of blew up due to Tekken videos about Josie Rizal. The problem is that you can get burnt out with that one game, even though I like it. Um, I want to branch out to other games, but nobody really cares since it's not Tekken. It kind of hurts since I put a lot of heart into editing and such, only to have it crushed under like 40 or so views. How can I have an audience that enjoys Tekken stuff as well as other games? So one of the things that you have to make sure that you are considering when it comes to making content anywhere is that when you are making something, you, you have to make sure that you are considering the people that you are reaching and you have to make sure that you're remembering that you have the stuff that you like to make and then that you're also making content for other people, right? So you have to kind of balance out like, hey, this is what I wanna make and then this is what you know people typically respond to. But one of the things that you can do is if you have crossed the subscriber threshold, which I'm sure you have now, um, in order to get the uh, community feed, then in that particular case, you wanna make sure that you are asking them a bunch of questions about other games that they play and track all of the feedback that you get. You can just do this in a free Google sheet or something like that, but track all of the feedback that you get and start noticing. Um, and you can do this really easy. So basically you just put a list of games that you would also like to play. And then all you have to do is put those games in that spreadsheet. And then for every person that's like, hey, yeah, or every poll that you run, you know, about these different games that you want to play for all of the people that are selecting, you know, the specific games, just start putting those numbers into that spreadsheet. And then in a real short amount of time, you're going to know like, hey, these are the games that the people at least that are interacting with my community post. These are ones that they're also playing also. So because of that, these are the games that I want to play that have the crossover of they are the games that my audience also likes in addition to Tekken. So because of that, then I'm going to start, you know, making some of those videos as well. So then you do a little bit of, you know, front end work in order to make sure that the games that you are choosing um, are also games that, you know, that the people that are watching your videos would also like to enjoy. But keep in mind, another thing you can do is if you're like, hey, I'm burnt out on this. I just want to go in a different direction then by all means, like, you know, you might have those 40 views right now, but as you start putting out more and more of that content and as people start responding to it better, then in that case, then, you know, you will end up growing an audience for that game as well. So just make sure that you are keeping that in mind. Like you, if you have that direction that you want to go and you're just burnt out, you're like, you know what, I'm miserable doing this tech and stuff. Then in that case, go ahead and start putting out some of that other content and just kind of build the audience for that. It just might take a little bit of time. Aperture Movement chat. says, um, just saying thank you for all the advice. My pleasure. Thank you for the super chat. I'm glad that you're enjoying the stream. Thank you for hanging out here today. Hope that you're getting some uh, some some value out of all this. <laughs> uh, next up on our list here, we've got um, going crazy in the kitchen. Got to get out of the kitchen. You got to get out of the kitchen. If you're going crazy in the kitchen, you got to get out of the kitchen. Unless it's like crazy in a good way. Then, of course, stay in the kitchen. Stay in the kitchen. If you're going crazy in the kitchen, stay stay in the kitchen. Sorry. Okay, so, so uh, they have a food vlog. I almost moved on from that. <laughs> I almost just like skipped the question and went on. But they have a food vlog. The goal of the channel says, I love making videos and I learned so much from this. Um, the question is, my subs don't seem to return. It's quite solid. They don't um, unsubscribe, but they don't come back. Maybe they plan, but forget about me. What can I do except making videos better? So um, so just as a heads up, because you put stupid question, but asking it anyway, it's not a stupid question. Um, all of this stuff is hard. All of it is, you know, um, complicated. There's tons of nuance to all of this. There's not a stupid question that you can ask about YouTube. So don't even worry about that. Um, but when it comes to people not returning, if you're getting nobody coming back, 
then in that case, you need to like look at what it is that you're doing, look at the value proposition of your channel, look at the content specifically that you're putting out and make sure that there is some type of theme going on with your channel and make sure that it's clear that that's the theme of your channel, right? So one way that you can do this is you can say like, hey, you know, welcome to um, going crazy in the kitchen where we make, you know, this type or where we do this specific thing. Today, we're talking about blah, 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 right? So then that way you're letting people know this is exactly what it is that, that you're getting from this channel, right? Um, so that's your way of spreading awareness about your value proposition. But um, that would be number one. So make sure that everybody that is subscribing, they're aware that that's what's going on. Make sure that you have a theme and that you are putting out um, you know, content like in a way to where if somebody watches one video, that it would make sense for them to watch that other video. So for example, let's say that you are doing um, one of your content pillars is like recipes. Then in that particular case, if you have like a, you know, a bunch of videos that you make that are recipes and people are subscribing to those at like the high highest rate on your YouTube channel compared to everything else, then in that particular case, they wanna see recipes. So because of that, you wanna make sure that when you're putting your content strategy together, that you're putting out recipe videos on a regular basis in order to fill you know, the, the, what it is that those people want. And then let's say you have another content pillar that you're experimenting with, and that particular pillar is where you're doing taste tests of a bunch of other food. Then in that particular case, if you find that people aren't responding as well to those, then in that case, you'd be like, okay, well, people are really responding well to the recipe content, so let me, just for the next like 30 days, maybe 90 days. Let me just kind of double down on focusing more on the recipe content, see if I can get more people coming back because they're not responding as well to this for whatever reason. Or if they're responding better to this one, same exact thing applies. Let me do more of these than these and see if I can get more people coming back because they're enjoying this content more, right? That's the idea. Um, but when it comes to people coming back to your YouTube channel, one thing that everybody needs to, um, you know, just make sure that you do understand, especially if you're new, is that when it comes to um, people coming back to your YouTube channel, there are some channels where people will come back and they'll watch, you know, most of the videos that they put out. Those are usually some of the biggest channels on YouTube. But when um, when it comes to, you know, um, most channels, you're going to be getting pushed into a lot more new viewers. Like if your channel's growing and you're thriving on YouTube, that means that you're serving the people that want to keep coming back and watching your videos, but that means that you're also getting in front of a lot of new people that are also being introduced to you and your content, and that's how channels grow. So because of that, just make sure that you are not looking at you having more new viewers as a negative thing. Instead, look at it like, hey, I'm getting in front of more new people, which means I have more opportunities to grow the channel. And even though there's subscribers that aren't coming back, I'm gonna start experimenting with maybe the content type or maybe you know, maybe expressing my, my value proposition a little bit more or maybe adding my schedule of you know, what videos I'm publishing when to my About Me page or maybe my channel art, something like that, so I can try to do what I can do to inform people that I'm uploading the type of content that they like, that they like on my channel on a regular basis. But within that, you also have to make sure that you are keeping in mind that them not coming back to the channel might not necessarily be on them right? Because this is another elephant in the room that we always have to, you know, uh, consider. If, if you're putting out videos and people are subscribing to them, but then they're not coming back, you can't expect somebody to say, hey, I wonder, I wonder what going crazy in the kitchen has been up to. Let me go look at their channel, right? Some people will do that, but most people won't. So how it will work out in most cases is that the people that have subscribed to your YouTube channel and that have enjoyed the content, if YouTube shows your content to them on their homepage or they recommend your content next to another video, then you have to get them to click on it, right? So the problem may or may not be 
that they're just not coming back to the channel. It could be that you're having a hard time getting some of those people to respond to your content again at the click level, just like getting them you know, back into the channel. So that's where just looking at the content that you're putting out, making sure that there's a theme comes in, um, and also just making sure that you are looking at like your click-through rate and all of that so that you can just get a general idea of like, okay, when I'm publishing these videos, do I have you know a lot of a lot of people coming from, my, from the subscription feed? If I don't have anybody come from the subscription feed, nobody's clicking there, then in that particular case, then the people that are already subscribed that use the subscription feed um, for those people, if they're not responding, then that means I need to maybe work on how I'm packaging my videos more so that I can, you know, get that response there or the whole theme of the of the channel, um, you know, as a whole. So you can make sure that all the content that you're putting out is relevant to them. So a bunch of different things to consider there. But the idea is that it could is that it's good to push in for, into new viewers. You do want people coming back to the YouTube channel. Um, but one of the steps there is to make sure that you are spreading awareness about what it is that you offer on the channel. Um, and then also using your analytics to figure out how people are responding where. So with that, you might think to yourself, hmm, where could I find out how people are responding? So this is what your YouTube analytics are for. You can go into your YouTube analytics. You can look at your new viewers. You can look at the you know people that are subscribed to your YouTube channel. You can look at your traffic sources. You can look and see the people that are coming from subscription feeds. You can look and see the impressions that you're getting on the subscription feeds. You can look and see the people that are coming from your homepage, from the suggested videos and so on. So use that information to, 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 to get that idea. So fun with the sky says that I'm freezing. So I'm not sure if that's for everybody or if it's their internet connection. It could be mine. I'm not sure, but uh, um, but fun with the sky. Um, one thing, if it's if it's on your end and not mine, um, one thing that you can do is down in the bottom right hand side of your video player, you're gonna see like a little gear icon thing. Um, with that gear icon, if you click on that, then um, you're going to have an option to change like the quality setting. So one thing that you might want to do if it is freezing a lot is you might want to click into that quality setting and actually lower the quality on your end because your your you know like your internet or your mobile data depending on what you're watching this on um, it, it could be the issue but if you lower the um, the resolution then it might help it you know come through a little bit easier for you so next up on the uh, list going crazy in the kitchen my pleasure my pleasure and going crazy in the kitchen you know keep in mind you can ask this kind of stuff in our in our members only group um, only group as well just make sure you tag me uh, when you do um, and thanks for the feedback on the not freezing um, there as well. I appreciate it. So next up on our list, really quick. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Okay, next up we've got Naked Truth by Dr. Melanie. Dr. Melanie says they do natural health, beauty, and self-care content. The goal of the channel is to reach more people and help them improve their lives with natural health resources and self-care. This is what I love about YouTube right? And about YouTubers and content creators. Just one thing really quick. Notice how the last like nice handful of questions that we've had here when I, when, it, when they're filling out the goal of the channel thing, like people are like, Hey, I want to help people. I want to like help people change their lives. I want to help people improve their lives, things like that. It's one thing I absolutely love about YouTube and just the content creator community in general is there's so much good intention um, with content creators that it's crazy. Like just, you know, so many people on the internet trying to add value to other people, just awesome. So if you're, if you're one of those people that are doing that, high five and fist bump to you, uh, by the way. But anyway, the goal is to reach more people and help them improve their lives with natural health resources and self-care. Um, the question is, companies periodically ask me to try their products or services in exchange for my professional feedback. Example, the cervical pillow, they find me on social media or my blog. If I voluntarily show my experience and or opinion, review on social media or even upload to YouTube, 
do I need, need to say the product is sponsored? There's no written request by the manufacturer nor contract, but I'm featuring a product gifted to me. What is the criteria for sponsored videos? I'm new at this, thanks. Yes, absolutely. When you are given something, um, then in that case, you need to disclose it. So like, for example, right? Like this box that I have right here, this was given to me, this end stream. So the first stream that I did with this, I made sure to let everybody know it. Plus I'm telling you right now, um, but I made sure to let everybody know that end stream sent that to me. Um, if I made a video about it, then in that case, I would definitely make sure that I mentioned it in the video, but because I already brought attention to that and now I'm just using it as you know part of my tools, then in that particular case, Case. I don't have to just keep mentioning it every single time that I, you know, happen to show somebody that box, right? But when I, you know, if I make a piece of content and I'm like, hey, um, here's my review of this thing, then I need to disclose that. And the reason for that is because that disclosure lets people know that the information that they're hearing could be biased in some way based on that relationship that you have with that company that gave you the thing. So for example, if you have, and you see this big time in like the camera, you know, space and all that, if you watch that type of content, but like if you have a relationship with a company and they're sending you a bunch of products, especially if they're expensive, then a lot of content creators for the sake of being able to get all that stuff, they'll just kind of shill for some of these companies where it's like, hey, um, yeah, like I'll keep saying your cameras are awesome. Just keep sending me cameras or keep sending me lenses, whatever. I'll just keep saying they're awesome all the time. And by doing that, they're getting, you know, a bunch of free product and they may or may not necessarily feel as pumped up about the stuff as they make it sound, right? So when they add those disclosures in there, then it lets everybody know that like, hey, you know, this may or may not be biased based on their, you know, their thing. But just as a heads up, and I'm gonna drop this, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as I can find it quickly, um, I'm going to drop something in the uh, chat here really quick, as long as I can find it, give me one second here. Um, but there are very specific um, FTC disclosures, and I think I have it right here. Boom, I do. So I'm gonna drop this in the chat right here. Um, so if you are still hanging out in the stream right now, um, this is sending you to an article um, to, or just some information from the FTC about requirements for um, social media influencers. I just dropped it in the chat there, but it's about requirements for social media influencers and you know the things they need to disclose and all of that. If you look around that site a little, a little bit, and th this link itself might be the one that will show it. But if you look around that site a little bit, um, if you're watching this on Instagram, just a heads up, I just shared this link on YouTube. I don't have a way to drop it in the chat over on Instagram. Um, so if you want that link, just jump over to my YouTube channel really quick. Um, it's in the chat, you know, there, so you don't have to spend long there if you wanna jump back over to Instagram, your call. But, um, but with that link, um, somewhere, if you just look around their website, they also have like a quick understanding like PDF that you can download. That will just be like, if you're doing this, then this is yes. If you're doing this, then no, you don't need to disclose this. You need to disclose those types of things just to kind of better guide you on exactly uh, what to do there. Next up, um, we've got uh, Crafty MC. They upload every other day. They do Minecraft content. The goal of the channel is to reach over 10 million shorts views and understand how some shorts gain over 100,000 views. The question, I've recently noticed that people are copying my videos, some from short sampling, some without. If I had a copyright strike on some of them, didn't terminate them though, so that they remove my content from their channels, do I just disable short sampling and do I keep on copyright striking people who steal my videos? So for the short sampling, if you have the remix option checked, then you're giving them permission to sample your short. So what you want to do there, if you don't want people sampling your shorts, then all you have to do is go in and just uncheck that box. And when you uncheck that box, then it's going to just go ahead and, and remove those from the, um, from the remix. Now, when it comes to, and it's going to take theirs away from public view as well. 
So um, there's one step. When it comes to people taking your content and it's showing up in your copyright area in the back end of your YouTube channel, in that particular case, of course, you have the option to go ahead and issue the takedown like immediately, or you can set it to where they have the seven days to you know remove it on their side. So you can handle that either way it is that you wanna do it, but if they're stealing your content, if it's 100% your content, it's all original stuff, um, then in that case, you know, you do have the right to you know protect your, your content. Also make sure, and I have a video about YouTube settings. I've got a, a few videos about YouTube settings. Another thing you gotta make sure that you're thinking about when it comes to the upload process is you also need to make sure that you do have the right licensing selected because some people will will um, will select the option to allow their content to be used um, uh, with attribution through Creative Commons. So if you choose that, then you're also giving people permission to use it and there's nothing that you can do there as long as they give you, you know, the credit for it. So keep that in mind too. So next up, we've got Love Above All is the name of the channel. Um, they do reaction type content. The goal of the channel is to gain subscribers and views. And the question is, how can I do news and reactions to show to faces without getting a YouTube strike? Reactions and reactions to show to faces. I, I don't 100% understand your question, but I'm gonna try to get out of this what I can. Um, so we've got, how can I do news and reactions without getting a, a YouTube strike? So. If you're doing reactions, then you have to make sure that you are um, doing everything within, you know, the compliance of fair use. So um, I'll go ahead and just go ahead and drop this in the chat as well, since we've already, you know, since we've already got that folder. So if you are trying to get up to speed on fair use, then you want to check out this. Um, this is another one um, that is going to, you know, to give you some insight on fair use. But when it comes to that, to make sure that you are 100% compliant, what I recommend that you do, because I'm not a lawyer, what I recommend that you do is I recommend that you do make a demonstration piece of content of exactly what it is that you're going to do, how you're going to be putting your reactions together and all of that. Reach out to a copyright copyright attorney, either locally, or if you can't find one locally, reach out to one, you know, on the internet um, and ask them if they would be able to defend that as fair use. They're going to say yes or no. And then if they say no, then you can work with them to figure out how you need to do it in order to make sure that you're doing it in a way that you're protected. Um, so that would be the, uh, that would be the approach that I recommend in that scenario. Next up, VS Speaks Royally. Hope that you are doing fantastic. Happy Saturday to you as well. Hope that you're starting your day off awesome. And hey, VS Speaks Royally, I hope that you have just an amazing day today. An amazing day today. So um, let's hear. So next up on our list here, we've got Game Life 44. They do mobile gaming reviews and montages. The goal of the channel is to get 1,000 subscribers and provide entertaining and informative mobile gaming content. The question is, how can I truly know if my video titles are really high ranking and effective? Um, people will be clicking on them. So when it comes to your click-through rate, a lot of people think that like your click-through rate, that your thumbnails are the only thing that matter, but your click-through rate is actually impacted by the topic of your video, the thing that, you know, that, you know, the thing's actually about. Um, but then it's impacted by your thumbnail and your title. Because one thing that you have to think about is when it comes to somebody choosing to watch your video, um, the only information they have, and this is, this is something that if you really, think about it, it makes a ton of sense when it comes to like, okay, how can I make thumbnails that people respond to? The only information that somebody has when it comes to deciding to watch your video or not is your thumbnail and title. That's all they got. So what you need to do with every upload that you have is you need to write your title. And when you're writing your title, you, and you should do all this before you write the video as long as your content type supports it. Um, but when you're writing your title, what you should think about is, okay, what about this would compel somebody to click on it? Why would this help somebody identify this is something they care about? 
why would this title generate some type of curiosity about what, may, what might be behind this, you know, behind this title and thumbnail? When it comes to your thumbnail, same exact thing. How is this thumbnail gonna help people identify that it's this type of content that they're interested in? What can I do to this particular thumbnail to not only help them identify it, but also add something compelling or something that might create a curiosity gap to where they're like, oh, hey, I wanna see what that thing is that they're pointing to right there. Like, what is that? Like, how is that thing gonna impact me, <laughs> right? Or, or why does that thing matter or whatever the thing is? Um, so what you wanna make sure that you're always thinking about is like with your thumbnail and title, they work together as a team to win the click, right? Sometimes just the thumbnail will do it, sometimes just the title will do it, but even still they work together to win the click because the thumbnail will grab the attention and the title will be the thing that will you know pull them through or the thumbnail by itself will pull them through but what you got to think about is you got to start defining it so when you're thinking of like okay here here's this little box and within this little box all i have is this image and these words that i can put on this how can i use these in the best way possible to help people identify my content is something that they care about something that they're interested in and how can i make this as compelling as possible for those people Focus on those two things and you'll start improving your click-through rate. But if you're like, hey, I'm just gonna put this thumbnail out and I'm just gonna put all these words on it and I'm gonna try to, you know, um, just kind of fill it out with all these, you know, images and put little subscribe buttons on them and all this other stuff, then you're, you're kind of breaking that whole thing. So start with simplicity and then build up to it from there. And by simplicity, I mean, start with just like single images, maybe single images with like arrows and circles and things like that on them. Maybe, maybe a single image with like, you know, you in there. So it's like, hey, here's me and then me pointing to this, you know, thing that will help people identify that it's something they care about. For example, let's say that, uh, here we go. This is a horrible example, but I'm going to give it anyway. So let's say that I was making a thumbnail just to put this in practice. Let's say that I was making a thumbnail and I was trying to bring attention to this, right? Typically I'll do this with like a device, but I'm like, Hey, let's just, let's just grab this because there's no branding on it or anything. This is like as basic as it gets. So if I were to make a video and this is part of the packaging and some of the stuff that you have to think about when it comes to your thumbnail and title and just the topic of your video in general and how you're actually trying to get attention to that video is if I were to make a video on this and I was talking about how this thing helped me set up my live streaming setup, I could make a video um, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing this, you know, as I'm saying it. So we're going to see, you know, how this goes. But basically if I make a video um, um, or if I have the option, if I'm trying to bring attention to this thing, then in that particular case, I could make a video to where I'm like, hey, here's some like, you know, studio setup tips. And then within that, I could, you know, focus on this particular thing. Um, or if it was like a thing on like cable management or something like that, because what this actually is, is it's an HDMI, like, you know, corner bend thing. So you can like plug it in and it kind of gives you some room there for the HDMI, so for tight spaces and stuff like that. So then in that case, what I could do is I could make a thumbnail to where I'm like, you know, hey, it's like me in there in the thumbnail. Let's say that it's a like studio setup thing. Um, we'll, we'll say it's like about cable management. Let's do that. So the whole thing is about cable management and you're like, okay, um, I'm going to make the whole video. Um, I'm going to frame it to where the title itself is going to be, um, you know, uh, this, um, this tiny thing, this tiny thing um, helped me clean up my studio or something like that. And then within that, if you focus it on this, then in that particular case, oh, come on, where are we at? There we go. But if you focused it on this and nobody knows what that is, then in that case, it's like, okay, well, maybe this would grab somebody's attention if they happened to notice that it was something like HDMI related. So because of that, maybe I would focus on this, but maybe I would make this like huge in the thumbnail. So it's like right over here, right? Let me get my face out of here so it doesn't focus on me. There we go. 
So let's say that this was like huge in the thumbnail and then it has like you in there and you're kind of pointing to it, but you would also have something else in there that would help them identify that it was something, you know, related to, in this case, let's say it was like live streaming or something like that, that would help them identify that it, that it was, you know, related to something that they care about. So you would have that option or in that particular case, since we're thinking of thumbnails and like, why would somebody click on that? Um, you might want to think about it from the angle of like, okay, if nobody's gonna know what this thing is, even if I framed it around like this one little thing helped me, you know, change my entire studio setup or something like that for your title, then in that particular case, um, if I were to focus on this thing, I would at least need to make sure that I focused on it in a way that would at least help people identify that it was like an HDMI thing, right? So then maybe I can catch their attention there. But if not, then maybe I would need to use like a completely different set of imagery. Like let's say for example, messy wires right in that particular case and then that's how i help them identify like hey that's just a mess of wires I'm, my place is a mess with wires and this whole thing is about you know the things that they did maybe it's a before and after picture messy wires over here clean wires over here but if you're trying to bring attention to this maybe you don't even put it in there in that case because you're using the thumbnail to actually grab their attention about things that would matter to them so then they see the messy wires on this side of your thumbnail the clean wires and the after shot on this side of the thumbnail and then once they click into it then in that case that's where because you use that to help them identify the problem that you're solving and then when you're when they're in that video then that's where maybe you would mention something like this to bring attention to it so you have those types of options now it's easier with with like tech things like for example if i was like the the example that i usually give is like the a10 mini and with that example typically what i'll say is i'll say like okay if you make like when you have like an a10 mini which i showed those of you this is the a10 mini thing that i'm talking about by the way come on camera Huh, interesting. But anyway, with this, um, like if I was doing uh, a video about that and trying to bring attention to that, then one of the things that I might do um, is I would start at the, very, the topic itself. So I'd be like, okay, am I trying to sell this thing or am I trying to just bring attention to it? If I'm trying to sell it, then I'm going to do a review video because the viewer intent would be higher at that point in time of actually making a purchase. So then I'm going to make a review video. So then if I'm making a review video, then I'm trying to catch people in the buying process that might be interested in that. So because of that, I'm going to just do a review of the thing. And that's where it, the topic would impact. It. And then there, I would just showcase the you know device itself in the thumbnail, and I might share about that it's a review of the A10 Mini or whatever. And I would probably try to you know send that one or try to get that video to show up in search if I could make a video that was good enough. Um, and then from there, um, another thing that you could do if you're trying to bring attention to that same device is you could say, okay, now that I've made that review video, that's done. I've got that video targeted towards search so I can get some affiliate money off of that. Now I need to come up with a thumbnail and title and just a video idea for a way to also target like the homepage. So then the next thing, um, the next step on that, and for those of you that hang out here all the time, you've heard this example before, but the next way that you would frame that is you would say, okay, this device, and you would just, you know, you'd put, let's pretend this is the device. You would put that device, you know, kind of front and center in the, in the thumbnail, and the whole thing would be packaged around like this device changed the way that I live stream. And then that way, what you've done is you're focusing on the device itself, but then you've also opened up the audience of that video. Your title's super compelling. Your thing shows that it's a piece of tech. Um, technically, depending on the shot that you got, you might even be able to demonstrate that it was attached you know, to live streaming in some way. But basically you have the tech imagery that would you know, grab the attention of live streamers and people that are into tech in general. But then the title itself, this changed the way that I live stream. Now you have your review video that you're capturing people from YouTube search from to where you're actually selling the thing as an effect 
affiliate. And then you have the other video that is more targeted towards the recommendations where you've opened it up, the audience in general. For the review video, you have to know what the ATM Mini is, but for the video of this device change the way that I live stream, now you just have to be a live streamer to watch it. So when it comes to, the whole thing I'm trying to express here is when it comes to you know getting people to click on your stuff more and making highly effective thumbnails and titles, you have to think about first, like how, like what is it that you're trying to do? Where is it that you're trying to get the attention from in terms of like search or you know recommendations? Um, and then make the appropriate video for what it is that you're trying to do there. And then start thinking like, okay, for the people that are you know at this part of the process for whatever video it is that I'm putting together, um, like what is it that I can do here to grab their attention and then compel them to actually click on it through the different framing that I just demonstrated. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, um, cause I know I kind of went all over the place on that one, but, uh, but hopefully that made sense. Six shop wrong one. Six shop says, how do you handle videos that get restricted by YouTube due to the content being on social ideas? Most of the videos, um, addressed reviews and social issues. So if your videos get restricted by YouTube, um, and you do go into that, you know, restricted mode on your channel and you see that they have been hidden, um, then in that case, you need to start framing them differently. But keep in mind, even if you frame them differently from the outside and all the metadata and all that, um, they're still reading, you know, what you're actually saying in the videos themselves. So the real way would be, of course, if they're being restricted, to just understand that restricted mode doesn't mean that nobody's seeing it. It just means that the audiences that are seeing it need to be like logged into YouTube. They need to be of certain ages, you know, things like that. But if somebody just browsing on YouTube, they're not logged in, um, or they're like, you know, a, a kid, they're under 13 or something, then in that case, in the restricted mode, those are the people that aren't going to see it. So if you're just being restricted in terms of like, who's seeing it, it's really not that big of a deal, because those types of ideas, like you need to be an adult to even understand a lot. I mean, kids are pretty smart these days. So you know, I'm not going to throw shade on them. So so I'm not even going to say what I was getting ready to say, <laughs> because it's actually not true. But um, actually, there's a lot of kids these days that are actually kind of out thinking adults um, with a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. But anyway, when it comes to um, you know, those social ideas, and then restricting it, just keep in mind um, that you know, um, you know, you just have to think of that it doesn't mean that they're not showing it to people. It's just they're limiting the people that they're showing it to because of the subject matter that's in them. Um, but in terms of like, you know, getting them not restricted, then in that case, it's going to come down to like not talking about those things or coming up with clever ways to talk about things that, um, that you know, that the people that are into those conversations would be able to reference. Right, that might be the uh, that might be the approach there. Travis MCP in the house, MVP in our world. What's up, my man? Hope that you're doing fantastic. He says, "Kids be dumb," <laughs> but but a quote there by me. No, not at all. Like, man, I, I actually did a video. So I have another channel. Like some of you guys might not know this, but I have another channel called All Our Questions um, that I I haven't uploaded to it in like seven years now. I think, but basically on that channel, there's one video that I made. Um, I think it was about Halloween, maybe. Um, and on that video, I mentioned. Uh, how kids used to be dumber than adults or how adults used to be smarter than kids, I think is how, how I framed it there. But I got some funny feedback on that when that video was uh, was first uh, was first published. So I'm I'm just saying that because of his comment right here that he just left about kids be dumb. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, kid, you know, adults used to be smarter than kids, but all that's changing now. Um, so next up, we've got freaking awesome. Says, thank you Nigman, for your kindness, hard work and patience. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for the kind words. Super appreciate it. Thank you for always hanging out here. You know, like, um, I think there's only been like very few streams recently that, that, you know, I haven't seen you in here. So thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being, um, you know, a part of, um, all this. I appreciate it. 
Um, next up, we've got Heroes TV Super Japan. Track. Says, um, I do K-pop cutout videos, have over 25,000 subscribers and over 100 million views. Suddenly got stopped, uh, suddenly turned off monetization and can't get it back. I can't tell which video is no good, so I can fix it. What should I do? Um, so if you have your monetization completely shut off, um, you should have actually gotten an email letting you know like why, letting you know like the videos that were infringing it on there. Um, so you might wanna just, you know, submit an appeal there. Um, I would definitely reach out also to uh, Team YouTube on Twitter and see if they can lead you in the right direction. And if you hop on Google and you type in YouTube community forums, then one of the things that you're going to find there is it's also a place where you can, you know, be professional, right? Just be professional. Don't accuse YouTube of anything, anything like that. Just be, you know, just be cordial and be like, hey, um, you know, my channel lost monetization. This is the type of content that I make. Um, you know, I need to appeal this or like whatever. I think it was um, incorrectly um, demonetized and see if you can get any type of help there. And really those are like the, the only real outlets that you have for that kind of stuff. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. So next up, let me scroll down here. Okay. Um, as we keep on going through the list here, did we do Game Life 44 yet? Yeah, we did that one. We actually went down a big rabbit hole on, on that one. So uh, we got Brian Titles is our next uh, channel here. Brian Titles says they do tiling tools and tips. Um, the goal of the channel is to eventually educate DIYers wanting their, um, to tile their own projects. That's funny. I was actually talking to my brother D today about, um, about tiling, which is kind of funny. But anyway, the question is, um, when being gifted a product to review or try on your channel, do you have to disclose this even if there's no financial incentive from the company? Um, yes, you do have to disclose it. No. And the second part of that question was, will this affect the video's reach? No, it does not. So if a video is sponsored or not, doesn't matter. What matters is how the viewers of YouTube are interacting with that content, if they're enjoying it or not. That's what matters. Um, at the core of all this stuff, like if you, if you break YouTube down, just for everybody that's hanging out here, if you break everything down to a nutshell, it really comes down to, if you can make videos that people enjoy and you can get them to click on them or in the shorts, if you can just make videos that people enjoy, then like you'll do fine. Um, but the problem is learning, learning that process, right? Like learning how to do that. And then once you do start doing that, you know, kind of amplifying things or ramping things up by, you know, kind of um, fine tuning everything it is that you're doing um, so that you can like really maximize, you know, that growth. But the, but the, if you break it all down into a nutshell, it's making videos that people enjoy. Like, that's it. Like, learn how to make pe videos people enjoy. Learn how to get them to click on it. And you'll do awesome here on YouTube, long term. So next one, we've got Honey and Me is our uh, next channel here. They do RVing content. Um, on their RVing content, the goal of the channel is to share RV tips, tricks, and, tri uh, tricks and trips. And the question is, how do you hook a video if it's a vlog style one? Let people know that you are that you are taking them on a journey. Let them know what you're trying to accomplish. Let them know what it is that you're getting ready to take them through. Now, of course, you can do that at the beginning of the video if you know, like, hey, we're getting ready to do this trip, and this is what it is that we're going to be highlighting. This is what we're gonna, you know, put together for the video. Um, then, in that case, you can do it at the beginning, like before you start recording anything. However, if you're like, hey, um, we don't know how the day is going to go, then in that particular case, try the best that you can to create some type of structure around the content. And do the best that you can to kind of keep one line, one storyline going, you know, within the content that somebody can follow. Um, and then for the intro or the hook of it, just record it at the end. So then once you know the content, you know what you did for the day and all that stuff, make sure you're still wearing the same clothes and all that. I mean, really, that doesn't even matter. Like you don't even have to do that. But just when the video starts and you already know all the information that, you know, you're going to be giving them in the, in the video, then just, you know, do that hook when the, um, you know, when, when you first start the video. 
So really quick, uh, Renee Ritchie, who again, you know, for those of you that might've just joined the chat, um, he works at YouTube. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned here is that recommendations have no knowledge of monetization or sponsored content box being checked or not. So basically what that means is if you are not monetized or if you have that bo that box checked where you say includes a promotion, um, then in that particular case, YouTube itself doesn't consider that for, you know, for recommending your content to people. It all comes down to how people respond to what it is that you're doing. Uh, next up on our list here, Honey and Me, my pleasure. Um, we've got Country Coder. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Country Coder travels to adventures, motorcycle trips, and classic car shows is the type of channel. The goal of the channel is to bring my audience along with adventures I'm going on, whether it's to a historical neat location, to an awesome motorcycle ride, or to a classic car show. And the question is, this is a two-part but related question in simple terms. Can you explain the difference in tags and hashtags? What is the difference in placing hashtags in the description of a video versus in the title? Okay, so when it comes to tags and hashtags, look at tags like they are old school keywords. So basically what you would do is when you put a video up, you would put relevant tags um, in that box. And I recommend that you still do it until they take that box away. Um, once they remove that box, then of course stop using it at that time. But as long as that box is there, it is still considered for something. So because of that, make sure that you do still um, use it, but don't spend tons of times on it because like the tags that you use are not what makes your videos do well. The way that people respond to your videos is what makes your videos do well. So I just wanna make sure that that's clear. Um, when it comes to hashtags, they're different because with the hashtag, when you put the pound sign in front of it, or the hashtag, for you younger people, the hashtag, for us older people, the pound sign, right? When you put that pound sign in front of it, um, the, um, um, the, the hashtag actually becomes a clickable link. So when it becomes a clickable link, then that means that people can click on that and then they can go to a, a hashtag results page, um, which is cool because if your videos end up showing up there because people are responding well to them for that particular hashtag, then in that particular case, if there's a lot of other videos that are also driving a lot of viewers to that particular hashtag, then you can use it as a discovery mechanism as just one more place that YouTube viewers can find your content. Excuse me. So because of that, when you're using your hashtags, and this is something we run into in our members group, like when we're going in there and we're looking at channels, like one thing that we commonly find on most of the channels that we look at is that they're just putting a bunch of hashtags in, but they're not actually looking at the results of those hashtags. So for those of you that are using hashtags in your videos, if you wanna kind of maximize your potential reach there, then in that case, what you wanna do is you wanna make sure that you're researching the hashtags that you're going to use. And the reason for that is because you might write out a bunch of hashtags that seem like this is the stuff that you know is relevant to my video. But if you're using the hashtags, you also wanna consider that people can use those as a doorway to come into your content. So if you wanna take the most advantage of that particular feature, then you wanna make sure that you're using the hashtags that will be relevant to the content that you're making. And all you have to do is you take that hashtag, you put it into YouTube search, um, and then when you put it into YouTube search, it's going to have like a little, you know, like little box that's gonna show you over on this side, then you click into it, it's gonna be at the very top of the search results. That's the thing you're gonna click into. And then once you click into that, it's going to show you a bunch of other videos that are also using that hashtag. Now, just like every other place on YouTube, the videos that are prominent there are the videos that people are responding to, you know, within those hashtags. Um, or if it's just like a, some weird hashtag that nobody's using, then of course, you know, then it would show, you know, whatever videos happen to be using it. But the idea there is to look at it and say, okay, topically, 
what are the videos that are showing up here? So if somebody were to click on the hashtag on this video that, um, that you know, these four videos that are right here at the top of the page, if they were to click on the hashtag from those videos and come into this page, would my video be relevant to those viewers? If the answer is yes, then go ahead and use that hashtag. If the answer is like, probably not, because these are all like kitchen videos, but I'm making like a video about closets, then in that case, you know, you would not want to use that hashtag. So, um, so that's the difference between the two, is one of them is a clickable link, the other ones are just more more like keywords and that have been kind of depreciated and they're not as important now on YouTube. In fact, YouTube actually recommends that you mainly use those for like misspellings and things like that. I still use them um, the old fashioned way in terms of, I use TubeBuddy as part of my workflow. I use TubeBuddy and I go to the, like when I'm filling out my videos, I'm like, okay, um, is this particular uh, hashtag relevant to this video? Yes, okay, I hit the plus button and then it adds it. The, the entire process of adding tags for me because I use TubeBuddy for it, and I've got a link to TubeBuddy in the description or you can just go to TubeBuddy.com, whatever. But basically um, with that, what it does is it just shows me this grouping of hashtags and I'm just like, is this relevant? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And it takes me literally maybe like 10 or 15 seconds to be like, yes, 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 no, 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 no. And just click the right ones that are relevant to the video and then I just get them in there. Like that's it. So, um, so when it comes to tags, don't, don't spend that much time on them. Just think, is this relevant to my video? Yes or no. When it comes to hashtags, do the research on those because those are, you know, where you can actually have people coming into your videos from those hashtag revol results. So because of that, it's more of a, uh, you know, it's more of a value feature for you, you know, as a creator. And then it also helps other, uh, you know, viewers find more of, you know, the content that they're interested in as well. Um, let's see here. And I think that was, yeah. Okay. So we got that one wrapped up. Shark Scrapper says, um, Miss Shark is listening and lost count of how many times you said hashtag. <laughs> yeah, right. I felt that as I was saying it. I'm like, you know, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. But yeah, let's talk about hash browns. <laughs> Gonna make me hungry here if we start talking about hash browns. So uh, the next channel is uh, Night Lights Movies. Night Lights Movies, they do daily content. Um, the type of channel is they do shorts videos about interesting facts related to movies. Super cool. Um, the goal of the channel is to educate people on factoids about movies and have fun and hopefully eventually make money while doing it. Really quick, I got a side tip for you. Um, so I haven't read your question yet, but when it comes to like the type of content that you make, there's a subreddit called Movie Details um, for your type of content. If you're not already on Reddit and you're not already over there, make sure you check that out because there's so much good content for you over there in terms of like stuff that like really obscure things that people uncover from videos that might be like great, um, like core subject matter for what it is that you're making. So make sure that you are over there and you're checking that out. Um, if you, you know, if you haven't yet, but anyway, question is, um, do you have an educated guess as to what YouTube monetization might pay once rolled out for shorts per 1000 views for a primary English speaking audience? I do not. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the answer to, to, to that one. And when it comes to CPMs on everything, um, you know, it, it all depends on like the ad inventory for those. It depends on like who's watching the content, things like that. So some of what it is that they're gonna be doing to my understanding, and of course this could change. And I mean, what I'm getting ready to say could also now be interact inaccurate, like as we're getting closer to that, because I know, you know, I'm sure they're gonna be changing some stuff. But um, I know one of the things that were mentioned in the past, as long as this is still relevant, is they were talking about basically, they are going to collect all the money from the ads, and then they're gonna pay the music companies for any of the music that was used you know, within those ads. And then from there, that's when they start divvying it up amongst the creators based on you know, the, the you know, shorts views that you got or the advertising, the, the monetized short views um, that you got. That's where all that starts getting broken down. 
But that's all that I know, though. Like in terms of like the specific details of it, I don't know yet because um, that information hasn't been, hasn't been put out there yet. Next up on our list, T's Hot Mess History. Hope that you're doing fantastic. Welcome to the stream today. Monique, nice to see you in here as well. Happy Urdu Nursery is our next one here. They have a kids channel. The goal of the channel is to make kid-friendly content for Urdu-speaking children, Urdu-speaking children. The question is, is the strategy to grow on YouTube different for a kid's channel than for a regular channel? If so, what are some key points to focus on for a kid's channel? So I'm gonna be upfront with you here. Um, as soon as Kappa came into play with YouTube, I haven't like messed with any kids related, you know, content or anything like that. Um, so because of that, I'm out of the loop now on kids content on YouTube. So um, in the past, you know, I was more, you know, kind of interested in that. Um, but when it comes to like now, like once Kappa came in and, and all that, I, I just kind of disconnected from it just because I knew it just was just kind of going to be its own thing. So like, I haven't worked with anybody that does kids content or anything like that since then. So, um, so that's something that I wish I could help you with. Um, but unfortunately I, I, I can't. So next up we've got your virtuoso is our next uh, channel here and they do gaming and gaming emulation. The goal of the channel is to share the games that I like, but also what can be played through emulation. And the question is, hey, Nick, in the, what's going on? Hope you're doing awesome. Um, in the last three months, I went to I went from uploads to live streaming a soccer game and went from 67 to almost 2000 subscribers, but I was rejected for monetization because of reused content. It was my own gameplay and I'm not sure what I'm missing. What can I do to get monetized? This is one of those ones where I would definitely reach out to team YouTube. I would go and I would reapply if you have the option. I would make sure that you're making posts in the YouTube community forum and trying to get the help there. Um, because if you made, if it's all original content and you know, it's, it's, you know, you have your own voice in there, you're doing your own gameplays, things like that. Um, then in that case, you know, I would definitely be trying to take every avenue that I possibly could to, you know, get monetization on that. If they won't, then in that case, one thing that you might want to consider is if you're not on camera now, going on camera for a nice handful of videos, like let's say like your next like 20 or 30 videos or something, um, and then resubmitting from there um, once you have that option pop back up. So then that way, at least you have, you know, the original part of you that you're adding. I mean, you're already doing it with your voice and your gameplay, but they might just be turning that down just because of all of the Minecraft content that's out there and all of that. And if it's not clearly separate, then that might be why they're, you know, giving you that hard time there on the reuse content side. But if you are, uh, you know, if you are commentating on it and if you happen to be on camera, then that should be original enough to get you in. But I would definitely um, make sure that you are commentating on it. Like Doug Houston just said right here, commentary would be a must. Um, so make sure that you are doing that if you're not already, because if you're just playing it, but nothing else is happening, then I could definitely see how they could, you know, cause you could literally take that from anywhere and just upload it to any YouTube channel. Um, so just make sure that you are adding, you know, your own stuff to the content as well. But if they don't let you in still and you're doing commentary, um, then I would try hopping on video for a nice handful of videos and, and resubmit and see if that makes a difference. Um, if not, then I would, you know, if you're trying to do it for money, then I would, you know, then I would probably, you know, explore something else. Um, that would be, you know, a little bit easier to, uh, to monetize. Next, we've got, uh, let's see here. So they don't have the channel name, but they put the link up there, but it's an entertainment channel. The goal of the channel is sharing the history of hauntings of some of America's most haunted places. The question is, hey, Nick, thanks for all the great info. Um, are other social media targets an audience of mature women? Since my team is all older women, we assumed and target the same audience on YouTube, but our audience on YouTube is mostly younger men, and I'm not sure how to pivot from an audience I'm not familiar with. Tools and tips. 
So this is where like with entertainment content, like people are gonna be watching it that are gonna be watching it. But some little details that you can do is, I mean, you know, it's okay, first off, just if you do, you know, have that, you know, audience, but it does kind of suck if you're going after something else. But one thing that you can do um, is with some of it, you could, you know, kind of call it out that it's, you know, for, you know, older women and things like that. I call these like audience identifiers. It's where you literally call out the people that you're trying to reach in your title and or your thumbnail. But the idea is since you are trying to get like mature women is just thinking of how you can frame what it is that you're doing and target it towards them through your packaging. So then in that case, if it's like, it's gonna be tough though, because you're sharing the history and hauntings of America's most haunted places, which is interesting to a lot of people. So with that one, I think the only thing that would really kind of knock that one out of the park for you would be to only focus on places that would be interesting to mature women. But even with that, that's still hard because it's kind of hard to define like, okay, why would this haunted place only matter to mature women, right? <laughs> so because of that, I think that you're kind of in like a weird spot. Um, so if the audience identifier thing wouldn't work for you, which I don't think that it will because of the type of content that you're making, then in that case, you might just want to embrace the audience that you currently have, but use references within that content that only like maybe like a certain, like if you're doing mature women, if by mature women, you mean older women, then in that case, any references that you might make in the video, um, you might want to cater those to that audience that you're trying to grow. So what I mean by that is like, let's say that you are, you know, if you're showing something in a haunted house, let's say you go in and you notice a painting on the wall or something like that. And that painting on the wall is something that maybe uh, like an older demographic person might relate to, then spending a lot of time kind of focusing on that, maybe talking a little bit about that painting and, you know, th that type of thing. Maybe the music you use in your videos, it's more in alignment with music that, you know, that older people would, you know, respond to or mature people would respond to or listen to compared to putting like, you know, trap music in your videos, which you're probably not doing anyway, but you get the idea. But basically just catering the details of the video towards that audience so that as those people are interacting with the content, they'll appreciate those things, they'll subscribe because of them, that kind of stuff. So then over time, you'll be able to grow that audience. Um, but right now, you know, you, you're still gonna have people coming in that just enjoy haunted houses and, and those types of things. Um, but just making those um, you know, making those nuanced connections with that, you know, older crowd would definitely be the path that I would try to walk there. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Manshed says I came in on mature women. Yeah. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the stream. Yeah. We're talk about, we never know how this thing's going to go when we start. Right. <laughs> so, uh, next up we've got uh, mortal copy. And hey, just for those of you that are joining the stream, we're talking about YouTube related stuff. Um, everything that we're talking about here, it's questions that um, content creators are asking. I got a form down in the description where you can put your question. Um, we've got a pretty heavy queue um, right now, but you know, if you get your question down there, there's a chance that it might get answered on the stream today. But if not, I still collect all these questions just as a heads up. I still collect all these questions. And if they don't get answered on the stream, then you might see them pop up in another piece of content, be it a podcast later, be it you know a, a video that I make or you know something like that. Um, so you know, just keep in mind if I don't answer it here, then I might answer it, you know, elsewhere. 
But Moral Copy says they do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to just get a thousand subscribers. And the question is, if I add a subscribe to my channel at the end of my shorts, will it help make a person subscribe or will it distract a potential subscriber? So one of the things that you want to make sure that you are um, considering is if people are really engaged in your content, if your strategy with your video is to get people to loop, then of course that would create that interruption to the loop. But if that's not the thing, just a quick follow for more, or do you hear that? I'm like, follow for more, um, or subscribe for more or something like that um, might be the approach there. If you're gonna be you know, repurposing it to other platforms as well um, for the vertical content, um, since you mentioned it, that it's shorts, then in that case, you know, making an ending that would apply for the other platforms as well, so you can also get them up there. Follow for more for the other platforms and then adding the subscribe for more uh, like this on your YouTube channel could definitely you know, be effective because the whole idea with the subscribe call to action and making it quick is that it's just a nudge, right? Like you don't have to cram it down people's throats, so to speak. It's just like, hey, this is you know just a quick reminder that if you want more content like this, before you scroll, make sure you subscribe, <laughs> right? If you enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe. And by the way, anybody hanging out here, if you are not subscribed to this and you're enjoying this content, make sure you subscribe. And if you're watching this on Instagram and you're enjoying this, make sure you head over to my YouTube channel and subscribe or follow me on um, Instagram. Next up, we've got um, Nodding Hook Crochet. Nodding Hook Crochet does crocheting content. The goal of the channel is to share my hobby of crochet. And the question is, happy holidays regarding channel memberships. Is it allowed to offer a crochet pattern or chart via a link to members only? Yes, absolutely. You can absolutely do that. So um, as a, like when you have channel members, then you can make like, you know, members only posts on your, um, on your account. And one thing I'm always weird about is just like linking off site, but in that case, it's more of like a closed type of thing. So if you do have the option to where you can be like, hey, um, like if you can put the actual image there that people can download right in the post where they don't have to, you know, leave the site to get it, that's always a win. But if you do need them to, you know, leave to get it, then in that case, you can do something kind of like what I do, which is um, have like another asset that if they become a member, that they also become a member of something else if they choose to. And that's where you give away all that stuff. So like, like for example, like in mine, like I've got like subscribe graphics that I give, I give all kinds of you know cool stuff that I've given away um, in there that would, it's just more appropriate to just load it up into the Facebook group compared to people having to go and find it you know in the community feed as an example, to just more organized that way. Um, Doyen Talk Financial Freedom, Super Dion chance. Talk Financial Freedom says, thank you for getting me to 12,000, you rock, you rock. High five and fist bump to you for getting to 12,000. <laughs> nice work. Congratulations, uh, congratulations on that. Doug, I see your uh, message here. I'm gonna go over to here and see if I can find that. Yeah, 12,000 subscribers, that's awesome. You know, since you since you're at twelve thousand subscribers, like think about like the people. Like if um like if you were to just like open your door of your place right now and there's like twelve thousand people standing outside, like that's a ton of people, <laughs> right? Or if uh or because you know in order to get that twelve thousand subscribers, you've gotten a lot of views to get you there. So like if you look at your view count, you know, like and you look outside, you open your front door and you have like all of those people that represent that number for the view the views that you have, like uh, it's a substantial um, amount of people. Um, an intimidating amount uh, amount of people. So let's see here. We've got we got someone stole my okay. So Spike Wade Super says track. someone stole my video. Um, the entire thing. Should I be copyright claiming it? I don't want to be a jerk, but I worked hard for the video. Um, so in that case, um, one thing that I do is I will give them the seven day notice. So um, unless they like, if they've uploaded like a bunch of my stuff. Then I'll, I'll I'll just I'll take them all down like I'll 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 just send the the thing to like take it down immediately, but 
if they if they they just have like one video or something like one thing that i consider is that you know some people they just don't know the rules they come onto youtube they see other people taking other people's content maybe reacting to it or whatever and some people just don't know right and of course it's their responsibility to know and to you know read the rules of the platform they're operating on and all that stuff it's their responsibility but i do consider that so since i consider that one of the things that i you know make sure that i keep in mind is like okay if they're taking a bunch of my stuff then in that case eh, it just makes i just don't like that they do that so then i'll hit the instant but if they just have like one video or something then i'm like okay i'll, I'll give them that seven day notice so that they can take it down so um you know so it's just a little bit more kind to them so if you're taking that approach like you don't want to be a jerk about it then in that case um if you want to copyright claim it then um you can give them that seven day notice and then that puts it on them and then if they take it down then that's cool not a big deal but if they don't then they're playing hardball and you know then you know youtube's gonna end up taking it down on their behalf um, or on your behalf so um so because of that you know i would just consider those things um let's see here and then there was one more i'm looking for the star here on this one i think it was um earlier give me one second here Um, yeah, I don't see the uh, second one. Let me uh, refresh this here really quick. And in the meantime, Zach Tool 4. Welcome to the Niminati. Welcome to the Niminati. Make sure when you get the chance, you go to NimminVIP.com. It's popping up on the screen here right now. Um, that is our members only Facebook group. If you can fill out all the information um, before you before the stream's over, if you can go to that Facebook group, um, fill out all the information before the stream is over, then I can um, then I can get you in there before the uh, or as soon as the stream is complete today. And by the way, if you are a channel member, and you are, oh, okay, thanks, Doug. If you're a channel member and you are not in the Facebook group, make sure that you go over there. Um, make sure that you go to that same nimminvip.com um, and, you know, make sure that you get in there. Because I know that there's, you know, a lot of people in here that aren't even over there. Um, so, you know, if you want, you know, some of those graphics and stuff that I was talking about before, if you want to be in the live streams, if you just want to, you know, be in the cool community, because basically like people are, are interacting over there, they're asking questions about stuff and then other people in the community are going in to answer them. If there's something that's specific that, you know, I need to answer, then people are tagging me and then I go and answer stuff like that. So um, if that's something that you're interested in and you're a channel member, make sure that you, you know, make sure that you don't miss out on that part of the uh, channel membership. Um, let's see here. So next up on the list. Okay, so I've got them taken care of. So we're good there. Okay, nodding hook crochet. We got that taken care of. Next up, we've got um bartech zizik tv says they do educational content the goal of the channel is to grow their business and the question is how often during the day can i post shorts and long form content is it true that youtube promotes only one video at a time does new published video cannibalizes previous videos um so first off um when it comes to source speed what's going on welcome to chat so when it comes to um youtube promoting um one video at a time so one thing to make sure that you always remember as a content creator is people have the idea that YouTube like forces your content onto people. So it's like, hey, I published this video and now YouTube is just gonna throw it at a bunch of people. Um, it doesn't really work that way. So how it works is like when you publish your video, YouTube is looking at the people that are most likely to enjoy that content that happen to be on YouTube at that moment in time. So in a lot of cases, that's the people that have most recently interacted with your content, the people that are subscribed to your channel, or at least the people that are subscribed and interacting with your content, you know, those types of people, which is why you typically see higher average view durations, higher click-through rates and all that stuff, like right after you publish. Um, so 
when it comes to them promoting your videos, um, that's the first thing you have to know is like, okay, they're looking for only the people that are gonna be the most likely to enjoy that content. And that's who they're gonna show it to. And then from there, if those people continue to enjoy the content and they show it to another group of people, if they enjoy it, then they show it to a bigger group of people and so on and so forth. And then that keeps going until the response gets less and less because the people are less primed for the content or less good fit for that content. Um, when it comes to content stepping on each other, it can. So when it comes to you publishing, like, um, let's say a long form video and a short, keep in mind there that the long form videos are gonna be shown in a different way and in different places on YouTube compared to the short. So because of that, there isn't as much, you know, competition there. But if you, if you were to publish, let's say three long form videos within the next hour, then what YouTube is going to have to do is they're gonna to have to prioritize, you know, one of those videos to show to those ideal viewers. Now, based on the topic of those videos, those videos will be going out to different people. Um, but some of those will be crossover. And with those crossovers, some of those are gonna be the most interested people, you know, on your channel and the people most likely to enjoy the content. And that's where the problem happens with content kind of stepping on each other a little bit. So if you are going to be uploading multiple videos a day, things like that, just make sure that you do space them out a little bit and things like that so that you know you have different groups of people that are online at that moment in time that YouTube can show the content to. But another thing to make sure that you are thinking about is initial view velocity does kind of matter at first, but if you make content and people are responding to that content, like you'll get views on those videos for a very long time. So like I've got videos on my channel that still get views every day, that still generate subscribers every day, that still generate affiliate sales every day, that still generate ad revenue every day that I made like seven years ago. So because of that, it's important to make sure that you're thinking of YouTube as, yes, I want views. Yes, I want a lot of views on my videos. I want a lot of subscribers and all that, but you wanna make sure that you are thinking like long game. Like, okay, I'm building a library of content for a specific type of viewer that's interested in these specific things. So since I'm building that library, once somebody finds me, they can just start you know, cruising through all the other videos that you have. But as you're, you know, first getting started, it's just kind of, you know, um, like the challenge that you might face is that like, I'm, I'm still trying to get people to like, you know, respond to what it is that I'm doing. But once you get people to respond, you have that whole archive of content. Um, and hopefully they're responding well to that too. But you have that whole archive of content that YouTube is going to start recommending to the people that are most engaged in your videos. So the video that you published today, this is the point I'm trying to get to. The video that you published today, even if they do compete with each other, if you do you know, upload a lot of videos to your channel, even if they do compete you know, just a little bit you know, with each other on homepages and stuff like that, one of the things that you have to remember is that you know, YouTube is a long, thing. So, you know, those videos, even though they might step on each other a little bit right now, if you're just focused on like, how do my videos typically do over like 28, 60 and 90 day periods, then in that case, that gives you a much better view of your content and how people respond to your content over time, instead of only focusing on like the first hour or the first like day of how people respond to your content. Because and everybody here can can you know vouch for this on you know, the, the those of you here that you know, that are getting, you know, views on your videos. Um, that you can publish a video today. And in some cases that video just tanks right out of the gate. But then you check back in on that video in like, you know, two weeks or a month or, you know, three months down the road. And you're like, whoa, I didn't even notice that that video, you know, it went from like being like one of my worst videos that I published, you know, uh, in that time period. Um, so it, number 10 on the list, you know, when you, when you publish it and they give you the ranking. So it went from number 10 on the list to now 
it's like, you know, it's bringing in like a lot of views and a lot of, you know, subscribers and ad revenue on a regular basis now that it's had that, you know, now that it's had a cycle and YouTube understands, you know, exactly who to show it to. So, um, so when it comes to, you know, putting a lot of content out on the channel, you can, but just keep in mind, you might have a, a, a minor short-term impact, but the long game in terms of like, you have this archive that you're building that people can binge watch. Um, that's where the real wins happen in that case. But just monitor it too. Like one thing that you'll notice, like on my case, I used to, and I don't see it anymore, but I used to be able to track like, um, like these live streams. So what I could track is I could go into my, into my uh, real-time views on some of my performing videos. And this all changed, I would say probably like, maybe about a year and a half ago. But basically I used to be able to screenshot and actually lay right on top of each other the real-time stats of my, um, you know, like my videos that are bringing in a lot of my traffic and my live stream. And I could see that the second I went live, not the second, but within that first you know, group of time that I went live, that the performance on those videos went down. And it was because my theory on, on what happened is that YouTube prioritizes the live because it's a live stream. So then the people that would be likely to enjoy that video, maybe YouTube is showing them my live stream is kind of what I came up with for that. Don't know if that's exactly what was happening or not, but I could literally overlay the screenshots on each other. And you could see this is when the live stream started. This is when this video took the hit, live stream stopped. And then just like after a little bit of time, then you would see those videos get back to their normal pace. So um, really interesting thing, but that doesn't happen anymore, but it used to. So, you know, in the past, things like that, uh, you know, things like that did happen. Roberto Blake in the house. What's up, my man? Says, are you using StreamYard to live stream to Instagram? Oh, by the way, Roberto Blake, by the way, create something awesome. Um, if you guys don't have this yet, definitely make sure that you uh, go and get this. It's available on Amazon. It's Roberto Blake's book, just in case you are not, you don't know that he uh, put this out yet. But anyway, um, on um Instagram, because StreamYard currently doesn't stream vertical. So what I'm using for this Roberto is, let me go here, is I have this box here from InStream. And um, this lets me, basically I'm sending the signal out because they just did an update on this so that I can, well, not for me, but they did an update on it where um, you can now crop. So the last stream that I did, I had to set up a totally different camera for it and everything, and it was just like a static image. But now they did an update where you can crop in your video. So I just have the out of my, uh, my monitor here actually going into this in stream and then I can crop it down so then everybody can see all the cameras changing and all that that happened to be hanging out over on Instagram. But with this, um, it allows you to multicast to vertical platforms. So you can multicast to Instagram, um, TikTok, and to Facebook um, vertically as well um, through, through that device. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got... Elementor, Elemental Air Edits. They upload when they have time. Um, they're doing edits now is the type of channel. The goal of the channel is their first 1,000 subscribers and monetization. And the question is, how should we make titles um, for it to appeal to people? And hey, really quick. So Chantel just put a link to my TikTok um, here in the chat. So if you're not following me on TikTok, make sure that you do follow me over there. I'm trying to get to a thousand people, but I'm also adding additional content over there that isn't 
just a clone of what it is that I'm doing here on YouTube. So you can also get some other things over there. They're going to help you out. So make sure that you um, follow me over on TikTok if you haven't yet. But the um, goal of this channel is their first 1,000 subscribers and monetization. And then the question is, how should we make titles for it to appeal to people? Um, I went over this in depth, um, just I would say maybe like 20 minutes ago. Um, so because of that, I would just you know kind of watch that part of the stream. But in a nutshell, just make sure you're defining why your title would help somebody you know be compelled to click on it, right? Say this title. I'm writing this title because I think that the people that would watch my type of video would be interested in this, right? And would be compelled by these particular words that I put here. Jerry says, it warms my heart when Nick gives my videos a heart on TikTok. Yeah, I love your TikTok videos, by the way. I absolutely love them. Um, but uh, the next channel here is for Better Mind Journey. I almost went down like a whole thing there. I almost got completely derailed uh, there for a second because I was I was about to just start talking about your YouTube channel and your your TikTok account and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, Better Mind Journey says they do uh, daily content. They've been on YouTube for less than a year. The type of channel is well-being, inspiration, and tips. The goal of the channel is to help people find peace of mind and hopefully find a way to do this full-time without my nine-to-five income. And the question is, so I've grown over a 1,000 subscribers using shorts. They seem to do well for me, but now I'm stuck. How do I get my long form content going again. So when it comes to shorts and long form content, I actually have a video about this on my channel that you should check out uh, when you get the chance. Oh, no worries, Jerry. <laughs> but um, that you should check out when you get the chance. Um, and it explains in detail like why, you know, like why people can do well in shorts, but then have a hard time with long form content. But I'll just give you a, a, a kind of like a, like a crash course version of it. So when it comes to this, one thing that um, that content creators have to face when it comes to short form content and long form content or vertical shorts content in the short shelf, I should say, and the whole rest of YouTube is when it comes to the short shelf, in order to get a view over there, somebody has to swipe up, right? That's it. They got to they swipe up on, on what it is that um, from watching the other short that they're watching, and then it just lands in your content. So there, the only skill that you have to have when it comes to YouTube shorts is being able to grab somebody's attention and pull them through your video, right? So if you're good at that, then you're gonna perform well in YouTube shorts. However, when it comes to the long form content, there comes a layer of complexity because not only do you have to make good long form content and be able to keep people enjoying that content, but you also have to learn how to get people to click on it. So you have to learn how to get people to identify that it's content that they might be interested in. And then you also have to learn how to make it, you know, a compelling package that would make somebody want to click on it to find out what's on the other side of it or to where they can at the very least clearly see the value that they're gonna get out of that video, right? So it's just a totally informational title and thumbnail. Those are fine too. But the idea is to make sure that you're thinking like, okay, when I'm doing well in YouTube shorts, that means that I'm good at making short form content. I'm able to you know, grab people's attention there and that's why I'm doing well there. But when it comes to the long form content, you have to stack on that skill set and learn how to get better at that. So one thing that I recommend that you do, if you are having the trouble getting people to respond well um, from uh, like recommendations um, on YouTube or even YouTube search, is make sure that you go into your traffic sources report look at your homepage traffic, look at your suggested video traffic, look at your search traffic, and look and see how people are responding to your content from those different places. You can see your click-through rate, you can see the impressions that you're getting, you can see your average view duration, you can see your total percentage viewed, all that stuff, and just look at how people are responding from those. And if you find that like, actually I'm, I'm you know, like my shorts, I'm crushing it over here, but like I've got a lot of work that I need to do um, on my videos, you know, in order to get that better response from YouTube. And when it comes to the actual content itself, that's one thing, but like that's a 
whole other, you know, obstacle, but then you also have the other obstacle of like just getting people to click on it in the first place. So in your case, if you're not getting that response, then definitely make sure that you are monitoring your audience retention reports and how people are responding to your content there so you can adjust as needed. And then make sure that you are spending a lot of time researching effective thumbnails on YouTube, that you're studying the homepage, looking at videos with views on them, looking at, you know, seeing like the patterns within the space that you operate, the, the type of content that you make, I should say, um, looking at patterns of things that people typically do there. Like for example, you watch my content. So that means you probably watch other content creators who make content like mine. So one thing that you see is a lot of us will show like, you know, stat screenshots um, in our thumbnails. And that's just like a common theme. So since that's a common theme in my space, when we use those, that helps people that are into this type of content that are trying to figure out how to do stuff on YouTube, that helps them identify that these videos are about YouTube because, you know, they see those screenshots as a theme across most of the videos that make, you know, content like this. In addition to that, another one that you're gonna see is like the stats, you know, kind of climbing up like that. Um, same exact thing there. That's just kind of like a theme that we, use and that kind of helps you know people identify that it's that type of content um and then it's also reflective of maybe like the result that somebody would get or that people have gotten in the past or whatever the thing is so the idea is to make sure that when it comes to your thumbnails that you're just thinking like okay um in addition to just trying to you know have my own themes and stuff that i do with my thumbnails the core thing that i need to focus on is like how can i help people identify this is about something they care about and then by doing that or by figuring out how to do that i should say research the other channels in your space that are doing well and look for those types of patterns. Like, okay, are people crowding the thumbnail with a bunch of stuff? Are they just focusing on like one thing? Like what exactly are people doing? And is there things that people are doing across the space that I could tap into that would help people identify that my content is also that type of content? That's just kind of like a quick, you know, way to kind of get your, you know, get your foot in the door, so to speak there on, on helping people identify that your content is something they care about. Super that toll. Thank you for the super chat. It says question: How much money did all that stuff cost, and what did you do before YouTube? So I've done a lot of stuff. Um, so in my like entrepreneurial journey, um, so I've had um, like a commercial cleaning service where we cleaned um, commercial office buildings. Um, I had a door-to-door -door sales company for a decade where we actually went and we did these contracts with automotive service centers where they would give us like discount promotions on stuff, and then we would go out and we would basically um, train people. We would do it ourselves, but we would also train people to go out and sell these things door to door. So it was like a piece of paper. The whole thing cost us like a dollar and we'd sell them for 60 bucks a pop. So it was a pretty sweet gig, which is why I did it for a decade. Um, but, and you didn't have to work long either because basically you would start when people got home at work at night and then you would quit right around like nine o'clock or so. So like you were only working for like four hours a night, which is pretty awesome. With the exception of like, you know, going there early. Cause like part of what we did because it was our thing is we would, you know, have to get everybody all fired up. We had like sales meetings and all that. And we'd get everybody fired, fired up. So we did have you know that side of things but anyway so we did that um, did the commercial cleaning thing um, um, let's see here what else D done like you know graphic design type stuff done a lot of like freelance related things just related to like online related stuff you know helping people rank blogs and search engines like back in the day that kind of stuff um, and a lot of those skills helped me out you know when it came to YouTube in terms of the money that all of this stuff in the studio costs um, it definitely wasn't cheap um, I don't know um, you know like I I'm not gonna you know publicly broadcast you know an exact number but um, but it, it definitely was you know like it, it's, 
I wouldn't recommend starting with all this stuff. Like I would wait until you were able to reinvest your YouTube money into it. So when I first started my channel, um, I you know got a good camera, so I did have that, um, and a good microphone. So basically I just had those things. And then as everything progressed, and once I started getting some momentum on YouTube, then I went and got a DSLR camera. And then I got that because then I, I found out, because just like everybody else, when you start, I was learning how to do all this stuff. So what I did, is I started noticing people having these like blurry backgrounds. And it was like right when a lot of those cameras were hitting. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I, you know, I, I want my videos to look like that. And then I went and got one of those cameras. And then it, for whatever reason, because I got the look that I had like set out to get, that gave me so much confidence in my content. And it went from like, okay, this is like okay content to like, wow, this looks how I want it to look. This is great. Let's start getting creative with this. And um, and it really kind of like, you know, inspired me once I got, you know, once I got the DSLR camera. And then from there, I just kind of built on like as I needed stuff. Now it's gotten to the point to where, you know, if, if I'm honest, like I'm, I'm a bit overboard with all the tech that I'm using to do this live stream. Um, however, I enjoy the, the tech stuff. I like tampering with it. I like, you know, getting it to look certain ways. And I like, you know, I just like the, you know, just, I, I dig it. So, you know, because of that, you know, I've, I've, you know, invested in the stuff over time and keep in mind all this stuff. I didn't just go to a shop and be like, okay, I need like, fuck, I, I need like four cameras. I need like two monitors. I need like, all, like it didn't happen that way. Right. It started with like a camera and a microphone, then another camera, then another camera, then another, like, Hey, let's see if we can do two angles. And then, you know, just kind of built on from there, even with the devices that I'm using. Um, like I went from like a regular interface to this Rodecaster pro when it came out, I went from, um, um, like the smaller ATEMs. I went from the one that didn't record to the one that recorded to now the big one that records. Um, so, you know, there, you know, it, it's all been steps, um, steps along the way. Um, let's see here. So, uh, really quick. So Gunslayer says, um, do you know if engagements make a huge impact of viewership on shorts or is it mostly retention focused? Um, mostly retention focused. Um, but definitely, you know, if people are liking your videos, um, that does let YouTube know that people are enjoying them. Um, so, you know, those types of things do, you know, ha they're, they're just one of the many signals that, you know, tells YouTube if somebody enjoys content or not. Um, but, but, with everything, the core is like how to how much do people enjoy the content. But like when it comes to likes on on videos and, and shorts, those are just like one little indicator. Like if somebody's liking a video, um, then there's uh, I think the language that they use is if somebody likes the video, then um, then that's a good indication that the person is satisfied with the content. I think is the language that they use. But then they also put a caveat in there, and they also this is really interesting. Um, so this is another thing to think about when you're like constantly asking people to like your videos and stuff. Um, and as a user, like on YouTube, if you're just liking everybody's videos all the time. So another thing that they mentioned um, in that particular thing, and you can find all of this in the Google help pages, everything I'm getting ready to tell you. Um, some of it's in their creator tips area. Uh, some of it is also like when you start digging into other features and stuff um, or into other pages in the Google help pages. But one of the other things they said is that they actually put weight on how often people like videos. So like, for example, if you're the type of user on YouTube, um, or you have a bunch of users on your channel that are just liking every video that they watch, then that lowers the impact that that has for that particular user. 
because if they're liking every single video, then that like doesn't mean as much. But if there's somebody that is watching a video that only likes videos like hardly ever on YouTube and they like it, then that's like a really strong weighted like for that person because they typically don't like videos on YouTube, but they liked yours, right? So um, so those types of things are factored in as well. So it's not, it's not just like a, you know, hey, here's the box and like, this is how, you know, it is. Like there's a lot of dynamics to, <laughs> to how this stuff works too. Like for, for example, like that insight on like some likes being worth more than other likes is essentially what it is, um, um, is just a really interesting idea if you apply that to every other feature on YouTube as well in terms of how people are interacting with stuff. Um, it's just interesting, you know, interesting, uh, interesting stuff. But anyway, um, let me know, Omaha, chat. David Matney. Thank you for the super chat. And you also have a very Merry Christmas as well. Hope that your holidays are awesome over there. Dole Whip Dad, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing great. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got... Um, Learn Spanish World says that they do educational content. The goal is to contribute with value to the YouTube community and grow my channel. Question is, breaking news. I just got a message from Social Blade data breach notification. Thank you for saying this. Um, alerting me that channels and passwords have been compromised. Should we be worried about this? I think I'll change my password right away. So I'm so glad that you mentioned this. Thank you. I meant to say this when the stream first started and I forgot. So for those of you that are hanging out here, it's glad that you're sticking around. So if you are somebody that has connected your account to Social Blade, I would update your password. Um, if you've just signed up for a Social Blade account, not a big deal, but if you've connected your account there, I would change your password just to be safe. So I haven't gotten an email because I didn't actually connect my channel over there, um, but people are getting emails from Social Blade where they're saying that they don't think that that connection um, is going to like, you know, expose anybody, you know, for the breach that they had because they had somebody like hack them. But just as like a layer of security to make sure that you're safe, make sure that if you did connect your account to Social Blade, that you do update your YouTube password. Um, because Mike, who was in here earlier, um, he might still be in here somewhere, but Hybrid Steel is his channel. Um, he he actually was a victim um, of that, and he's in the process right now of trying to get his uh, trying to get his channel back. So if you did connect um, to Social Blade, make sure that you are aware of that, and that you do um, make sure that you do update your YouTube password. Next up, we've got um, Petty Talks TV um, says that they do live streaming, mostly doing interviews about pets. The goal of the channel is to get monetized for my retirement days. And the question is, if I edit a video after the live broadcast is done, add in screens, et cetera, will the live chats disappear? The live chats will disappear if you edit the content itself. If you just add in screens, you're good. But if you add, if you go in and you chop out, like let's say the intro of your video, then you will lose live chat then. So if you make any edits to the actual video portion of your live stream through the YouTube editor, that's where you'll lose your live chat. If you're losing your live chat already and you're trying to figure out why, make sure that you go into your live stream settings before you go live and make sure that you do have the chat check, check box enabled to um, to have the live chat on the replay as well because that's off by default I believe so um, in some cases people will be live streaming and they're like man why am I why why why, well, you know, why aren't my chat still being there when my live stream is complete it's because of that checkbox so just make sure that you uh, make sure you do that um, let's see here. Yeah. And creator classroom says that includes blur, like anything that you do with a YouTube editor, make sure that, um, you know, make sure that you're aware that that can take your, uh, live stream chat away. So the name here is Wakstashi. I'm not sure how to say that. Um, I apologize, but I think it's like Wakstashi. 
Um, and they say that they do anime edits. The goal of the channel is because I want to be like my favorite YouTuber, Xenox. And uh, the question is, is it normal to have 10 to 12 subscribers per day? And how can I get my first 1,000 subscribers in a month? So when it comes to the first, um, in terms of 10 to 12 subscribers a day, you are heading in the right direction. Um, in terms of getting your first 1,000 subscribers a month, it will happen. Um, just keep working on making your videos better, keep working on adding value to the people that are interacting with your content, and you'll get there. Um, in terms of you know trying to fast track that, find the videos on your YouTube channel that generate the most subscribers typically when you put them out based on the topics that you have and start making more of those videos that typically generate more subscribers on the YouTube channel. If you're trying to get that first 1000 subscribers, you can get the partner program or if you're trying to increase your monthly, uh, you know, subscriber counts. Um, Drew Project, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing awesome. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got Bob and Tam's Excellent Adventures. I see what you did there with Bill and Ted's. That's great. I love it. Um, they do motorcycle rallies. The goal of the channel is to help those going or thinking about rallies, what to expect and all the info needed. Super cool. So quick side story. So um, where I grew up um, about, I, I think Chillicothe was about like an hour north, maybe hour and a half north. And um, I used to go, uh, I think I went two times with a buddy of mine because he had a uncle that lived um, in that area. He lived like literally you could like hear it and you could like see the lights from it and all of that for the Easy Rider Rodeo that they had. And um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had it in Chillicothe, Ohio. So we would go up there. His uncle, his uncle had this huge farm. Um, so basically it was like his place and he had, um, let's see here, I think three houses on his property. And the, I mean, the property was huge. Like basically when you go in, you uh, like, you know, he had this gate and you go in, you drive like to get back to his house. Like it's almost like, you know, like it was a pretty much a street that you had to drive down. That was all his property um, to get back to his house. Like it was just a huge um, acreage that he had. Um, but we would go up and stay there. You know, he had all these like, um, I'm not going to say what they were just, you know, things that you go like this with. Um, he had a bunch of those, um, four wheelers, like all this like cool stuff. He had a barn. Um, he had, a, he was an entrepreneur, had his own business, made tons of money. So like he had all of these like super fun toys, like these like, you know, high end, like RC cars and RC helicopters, like all this like super awesome stuff. So we'd go over there, we'd play with all that stuff and we just had a great time, but we'd spend like the weekend up there and then we'd go to like the easy rider rodeo and just kind of hang out over there, but really good time, um, on, uh, on that side of things. But cause you mentioned about rallies, that's why I, I, I started talking about that. But anyway, the question is, our views really slow down during non-rally time, trying to do recaps. We also do lives every Sunday, was posting daily with less views, now post three times a week. We have 20,000 subscribers, but only getting less than a thousand views right now in videos, looking to take the channel to the next level, questions on how or what we should do. So one thing to think about is people that are into rallies, um, motorcycle rallies specifically, if they're into motorcycles, then I would start trying to make content around that also and make it to where, you know, you have your rally content that you put out, you know, because that's the thing that, you know, the channel's kind of themed around. But I would also make sure that you're also just doing like general motorcycle content for them. And then when you're doing the general motorcycle content, if it's not performing as well right now, then I would go through and I would start paying really close attention to your audience retention reports. I'd start paying really close attention to um, your click-through rate. I'd start paying attention to where you're getting your views from in terms of going into your um, video and your analytics, going into your traffic sources for each individual video, seeing where you're actually getting your views from. And then that's going to help you identify where it is that you need to improve. Because you could, you might be getting only 
only a thousand views on your videos, not because it's not related to rallies, but because the way that you're putting your thumbnails and titles together just might not be enticing to the people that you're trying to reach. Or if they're clicking on them, and this is why using your analytics to uncover this is important. Um, or if they're clicking on them, maybe they're not enjoying the videos at the level that they need to in order to make it competitive enough for YouTube to show it to more people that are also interested in motorcycles. So because of that, um, I would just go into your stats and start trying to figure that out, start figuring out how to make the content better, how to make your thumbnails you know, more identifiable about that subject matter, and then working on the titles to make it more compelling for that audience, um, and start trying to walk down that road so that you can have a really strong content set that is not dependent on the seasonality of rallies. And then when you do have the rallies, because you're still making content for you know people that are into motorcycles, then that's just like a whole other insight that they get to get into you know the craziness of some of the some of the stuff that goes down at the motorcycle rallies. So I would um, I would I would definitely consider that. Um, let's see here. Next up on the list, we've got um, Cheryl Moore Tucker does yoga and meditation content. The goal of the channel is to help stiff people get fit and flexible. The question is, my business was initially designed to help people with chronic um, do yoga safely. I'm gonna guess that was chronic pain. <laughs> do yoga safely. Um, however, after doing a few polls, people say they want strength and flexibility videos. I'm about to pivot and I wanna know how long days, months I should give it to determine if the shift is working. So um, one thing to make sure that you consider when you're doing this shift is make sure that you are using the grouping feature inside of your YouTube analytics. I have a YouTube short that shows you how to find this, but use the grouping feature in YouTube analytics. Make sure that you're putting the videos about strength and flexibility in there and that you're putting similar um, amounts of videos into the um, comparison group of the yoga safety in general for the people with chronic pain. So if people are trying to develop their strength and flexibility, start making that content if that's the feedback that you're getting. But then from there, you want to go in, you want to compare that content against your other content that you're making and just see how they how they respond. So some of the information that you can see there, you can see which videos they click on more, you can see which videos they watch for a longer period of time, you can see which videos they engage with more, which videos um, drive more subscribers, but you don't just see it at the individual level, you can see that too, but you actually see it as the group. So you can be like, this content type performs this way, this content type performs this way, based on the goals that I have for the channel, I'm gonna focus on this right now. Um, so that will give you tons of insight site. Um, but one thing that you also want to make sure that you're doing is that when you're publishing those, just monitor how people respond to them. Because one thing that you're going to find um, when it comes to YouTube is you have the vocal minority. And those are the people that are in your comment section. They're giving you feedback on your videos. They're, you know, just, they're, you know, they're the most vocal with what it is that you're doing. They're answering your community polls and stuff like that. And then you have data at scale and how people are responding to your content at scale. And the two don't always sync up. So what you want to make sure that you're doing is you take the feedback that you're getting because you know you definitely want to serve your community but then you start making that content and you see how people respond to it at scale because if you're wanting to like really you know get the channel moving you got to make sure you're thinking at scale but you also want to make sure that you're you know hooking up the people that are interacting with the content and that you are giving them you know what it is that they want as well so you just want to make sure that you are just kind of tracking that right so using the grouping feature is going to you know help you identify that you're making the right choice. But in terms of the length, I'm not sure, let's see here, you did, okay, you're doing one time per week or more. So with that, like you should know within the first like 90 days, um, how, you know, how they compare. In reality, depending on the view counts that you're getting, you might be able to figure it out within the first month. Um, if, you, if you're like, hey, I'm gonna put, I'm just gonna do like a month of strength and flexibility, like you'll be able to see relatively fast if you're getting, you know, a decent amount of view counts, you'll be able to see relatively fast how, you know, how people are responding to that to let you know if that's the right path or not.
But keep in mind, one more thing I wanna say before we move on to the next question is if you do make strength and flexibility videos, and even if those do well, if people are also still enjoying the other content, um, then I would also just have that as well. So then that way you can start creating different pillars. So like, hey, this is the, yoga safety for people with chronic pain. This is the strength and flexibility, um, or these are the strength videos, and I would actually section those out differently. These are the strength videos around yoga, and then these are the flexibility videos around yoga. And then I would start comparing all of those, and then over time, let's say over, um, that's where if you're breaking them down that way, that's where you'd wanna give it about 90 days. Um, but then over that 90 day period, you're gonna start getting a really clear picture and again, with view counts, you might be able to start getting this picture faster, but I'd give it, you know, 90 days is kind of like the window to make the call. Um, but basically, um, you'll be able to start seeing like, okay, when I make flexibility videos, these are how people typically respond to those. This is how people typically respond to the strength videos. And this is how people typically respond to the safety videos. And then that'll give you a really clear picture on, on which, you know, path you want to go, or at least when you're putting your content strategy together, you can say, okay, um, if I'm trying to get more subscribers, this content typically generates more subscribers, so I'm gonna make sure that I'm making more of this content for the channel health. This type of content typically drives more views to my business, so I'm making more content, um, so I gotta make sure that I'm putting in this many videos in my publishing schedule to make sure that I'm serving the business, and then these videos over here typically drive more view counts, so because of that, um, you know, again, for channel health, I'm gonna make sure that I'm putting in a certain number of these so that I can kind of fill that that need as well. So basically when you're putting your content strategy together, especially since you're doing this for business, I would make sure that you're just thinking of like, um, or that you're looking for this stuff helps drive the channel. This stuff helps drive business and then start, you know, putting your, your, your content calendar together accordingly. So, uh, uh, Richie rate says, do you have any snow by you? I do not. So, uh, where I am, it is either hot or it's really hot. Um, so I'm over in Thailand. Um, so because of that, we, we do not have snow here. It's actually, um, we have it, like where I live, um, about two hours away, we have like the, the highest peak, the highest like mountain in Thailand. And, um, it's a big deal every year when there's frost, like that's what I'm dealing with in terms of the temperature. So like when there's frost, it's like in the news, like people are sharing it on Facebook. People are driving from Bangkok to like go and like, you know, to check out the frost on the, on the ground. Like it's a, it's a big deal when we get frost uh, over here. So definitely do not have snow. Okay, we already answered a question from um, this one. So I'm gonna move on to the next one here. We've got um, Thand141 Homestead. Um, they have a lifestyle channel. The goal of the channel is to share the homesteading lifestyle and help others learn about the day-to-day -day and to make money. And the question is, I've seen and heard that if you have two people on a live stream on StreamYard, you can stream to both channels at the same time. Is this true and how's it done? Don't do that. Um, so if you wanna do that, YouTube has a built-in version. Actually, it still doesn't work that way. So yeah, so yeah, you don't wanna, you don't wanna put the same live stream on two different YouTube channels. Um, that You can run into problems with that. So I, I go back and forth with people. So StreamYard has a uh, Facebook community and um, I'll go back and forth with people on that sometimes and send them like, you know, screenshots from like, you know, Google help and all that. But that's duplicate content. You do not wanna do that because you're literally putting the same exact content on both channels. So the thing that you'd wanna do there, if you're going to do that, is you would want to make sure that what people are seeing on your YouTube channel is different than what people are seeing on the other YouTube channel. But if you're multicasting, you're not gonna be able to do that. Um, but if you're multicasting in different ways, 
then you would be able to do that. And what I mean by that is if like they're using StreamYard or you're using StreamYard um, in one instance, and then let's say you have another computer and then you're both in StreamYard in that instance and you have the audio, you just use an audio splitter to, you know, get you into, you know, both computers. And then that way, you know, you're, they can hear everything on theirs and then they can hear everything on yours, but then they get a different experience on both channels, then it's not duplicate content anymore. So if you're going to do that and you're gonna take that approach, make sure they're just having a different experience on each channel, the audio would be the same, but the experience that they would be having visually would be different. The titles would be different. The descriptions would be different. It would be a different piece of content. Um, just the audio would be the only thing that would cross over. But I really would not multicast to, uh, to, 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 to different YouTube channels. Sunflower super Tosha chat. DIYs. Thank you for the super chat. Super appreciate the uh, super chat there. Much appreciated. Super sticker. Sorry about that. Yeah, and Doug says different platforms, not multiple channels, right? Yeah, like that's the real win when it comes to StreamYard or one of the real wins is like, um, it's it's not necessarily about broadcasting to multiple YouTube channels. It's about being able to broadcast to multiple platforms. So then you could have like, you know, like their Facebook or, or your YouTube channel, their Facebook group, you know, your, uh, I mean, you can multicast into Facebook into different things. So maybe, you know, different Facebook, you know, groups that you're going into and then, uh, and then like one YouTube channel is the approach that you want to take. So this is a life says, um, do you know if gear is a tax write-off as a sole proprietor, even before we've made any money on YouTube, not looking for financial of, um, vice of course you're great by the way. Yeah. So as not giving financial advice, yes, you should, depending on, you know, the country and the state that you're in, um, you should be able to write off your camera stuff because it is a business expense. Even if you are using it as a startup expense, um, with what it is that you're doing, but I would definitely, you know, get a uh, accountant to, you know, to, to, to co-sign that to be safe for your, you know, for your local area. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list, we've got Econo, Econo Box Garage says they do um, the type of channels mostly working on cars with the occasional automotive blood review or uh, automotive boot review maybe three or four per year. Um, the goal of the channel is to show the average person can successfully work on cars without cars without necessarily having a large budget. Um, the latest and greatest tools or even an automotive background. The question is, is it necessary or advantageous to have my face in videos and thumbnails? Thanks. It is not necessary to have your face anywhere on YouTube. So um, commentary, of course, is definitely a win because there, you know, you can take people through a process, but you can use, you know, any of the videos that you've taken or B-roll or whatever, um, or stock footage, whatever whatever you need in order to, you know, show the imagery. But for the audio, I would definitely make sure you're talking um, in the audio because you want to be able to, you know, take people through the video instead of it just like playing music and showing a bunch of like, you know, just showing a slideshow. Um, in terms of is it advantageous? Yes, it is. So it's advantageous because if somebody is watching your video and you're on camera, then they can make that connection with you, right? So the nuances of your personality, things like that can be better expressed through your videos if you're in them, but you can do fine. Like you can have a thriving YouTube channel, you can grow a huge following, you can make tons of money without ever having to put your face on camera. But you just give yourself that minor advantage of people just connecting to you more if you do. So that comes down to like, you know, you, if you're like, you know what, I don't want to have to like set all this stuff up or I don't even want to have to carry a camera. I don't want to be on camera. I'm going to have to like learn to present anything, anything like that. Um, then in that case, like you can, you're totally fine just showing the footage. Um, I would, one thing I would do though, 
is I would make sure that your commentary is on point. So I would make sure that you really learn um, like how to, you know, how to do commentary and how to process your audio to make your audio really good. So when people are watching, it's like, wow, this is, you know, this, this is like, sounds good. Um, and then for your footage as well, like I would just try to make the footage as good as you can. Again, you don't have to spend, I mean, the way phones are now, you can do everything on your phone and you're, you'll do awesome. Um, but, but I would definitely just try to make sure that you're at that, like, Here's, here's the thing you got to think about, like when it comes to like quality with anything you need, and this is for everybody here, when it comes to quality on YouTube, like you need to make sure that your content is quality enough in terms of like how your audio sounds and the things that people are seeing on screen. You got to make sure that it's quality enough that the quality itself isn't a distraction, right? That's it. You just have to hit that threshold. So basically it just has to be quality enough to where when somebody comes into the video, they're not like, oh, I can't hear what's going on. So I'm leaving and I'll watch something else. Or to where they come into the video, they're like, oh yeah, this is, I can't even like see what's going on. Or so the camera's like super shaky. I can't even like see what they're looking at. So they leave, right? That's where it's a distraction. You just have to get things to the point where it's not a distraction. But if you can level it up even a little bit past that, and you can make sure that like everything just looks good and you can, you know, just spend that time putting everything together in a way that just creates a more, um, uh, just when they watch it, they're like, wow, this is, this is good stuff. Like that's, you know, that, that's what you want to try to create. But at the end of the day, as long as people are like enjoying the content and it's not, you know, there's no distractions in the quality, then, you know, you can do everything that you need to do um, with just your phone and you can thrive in massive ways um, on YouTube. Um, let's see here. Next question on the list is the project equestrian. Hey, what's going on? Hope you're doing awesome. Um, the goal of the channel is to make money doing something that I'm passionate about. And the question is, do you have suggestions on following up on a high performing video that is not repeatable? I recently had a horseback riding accident. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and I knew that the video would perform well. Sure enough, it's currently performing 30 times better than my average video. Um, I waited till the initial video's views dropped a bit and released the follow-up video in the same series playlist on my thoughts on the accident and getting back on it. The follow-up video is being suggested from the initial video and is performing about five times better than my average video. Do you think, or do you have any suggestions on what I can continue to do or things that I should have done differently? What you did is fantastic and that was actually gonna be my recommendation. So when I read the first part of your question, the thing I was gonna say is like, talk about like, you know, more details about your accident, talk about how you're gonna get back on the horse, literally, you know, talk about, you know, that part of the process, but you've already done that. Um, so you're, you know, doing the right thing there. Um, if there is anything that you could talk about, um, maybe like, you know, related to the accident again, like in terms of like, you know, how much the accident maybe cost you or like, you know, what you've learned from it in terms of like, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the, the animal or like anything like that, um, then, you know, adding to it that way would be okay, but you're going to run out of that stuff, right? You don't want to make your whole channel about horse accidents, <laughs> right? So because of that, like I would just lean on that as like, okay, people are responding to this. That's good. It's going to bring a lot of attention to the channel. So since it's going to bring a lot of attention to the channel, I just need to make sure that, you know, the content that I'm putting out over the next like, you know, month or two is as like, it's still targeted towards the same people that you're trying to reach, but you're, but, but I wouldn't like niche down within the audience. Like I would make sure that everything that you're talking about is as broad as possible so that all the people that are interested in, in the horse stuff and they're like, oh gosh, I hope I don't have an accident or what happens if you have an accident and all those people. Um, so that as you are making or publishing those new videos that you can reach as many of those people that are interacting with that video as possible. So what I mean by that is instead of being like, uh, 
um, you know, like what to do with this specific horse, which would alienate like a large percentage of the audience, um, then making it about like, you know, um, you know, like a tips for, you know, people that ride horses or, you know, however you would frame that or whatever. But the idea is just think of it from the, from the lens of like, how can I make this reach the most amount of people that are interested in this topic for the next videos that you're going to be publishing for a while. All right. So this is the first time this has happened in a really long time, but that's all the questions in the form. So what we're going to do is we're going to hop into the chat um, for the remainder of the time that we have here on the stream today. And I'm just going to start taking questions out of the chat. We're going to call this the lightning round. So how this works is if you have a question, make sure you put a Q in front of your question and then drop it in the chat. That's how I identify that it's for me. So put a Q in front of your question and then it's going to uh, you know show up in the chat. And I'm just going to answer as many as I can um, within the next few minutes here. And, um, and then we will... Uh, you know, we'll go from there. So uh, what's a good starter camera um, to start with under $100? So if you have a computer that you can attach it to, the, then you can start with a Logitech C922 webcam. But really, I would just save that $100 and I would save up until you can get something like a uh, like a ZV-1 or something like that. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got uh, This Is Life. Oh, uh-oh. It's jumping on me here. It says, hey, Nick, what are the three tips or advice that you would have told your beginner self before you even reached 1,000 subscribers? Um, double down on the skill sets um, because, you know, this stuff, you know, the, the more you learn in terms of, like, you know, how to make thumbnails that pop, the more you learn, like, the better you get at, like, your Photoshop, the better you get at editing all that stuff, um, the better you're going to do. So, like, I would, I would just double down on skill set, and I would spend more time um, just on the skill set side of things for the sake of just, like, leveling that skill set up. Um, in addition to that, um, I would be a little bit more intentional with the direction of the channel. So, when I first started, like, I didn't know, I did, like, being, like, a YouTube help person was not in my cards, right? That wasn't what I had set out to do. So, what I was talking about is I did have some content creator focused things because I was making content at the time and I was talking about other things that were relevant in my life at time like how to stay focused when you're working at a coffee shop and stuff like that and um, and then you know other opportunities actually led me into an entire different YouTube channel and then that led me back to here because I burned out on that channel and then I had to you know like I was I caught the bug there so I had to develop a resource that I could bring attention to and then start you know kind of better targeting this channel from all the stuff that I learned you know working on that channel those sorts of things so I would get super clear couple things. One, double down on the skill set. The second would be to get super clear on who it is that I'm making content for. And the third, and this isn't in any particular order, by the way, um, the third is to be very clear about what it is that I want out of the efforts that I'm putting into YouTube too. Because um, like I started doing like really well off of YouTube um, relatively fast, but um, um, it could have all happened a lot faster. So because of that, like I would just get super clear on who I'm after, what it is that I want um, out of making the content and, uh, and working on the skill sets to get better at the craft. Those three things are, those will get you where you wanna go if you just spend all of your efforts on, on those things. Building the skills, serving the audience because you know who it is that you're after, which helps you in all of your content decisions. It helps you with decisions of the sponsors you choose to work with or not. It helps you in every way when you know who it is that you're after with your, uh, you know, with your videos in terms of the audience you're trying to serve and then knowing what you want helps also with the content that you make. Um, it helps you with the opportunities that are going to come your way because one thing about having a successful YouTube channel and by successful, I don't mean hundreds of thousands of subscribers and views. What I mean is I mean a channel that is getting like consistent, consistent views, maybe 5,000 subscribers, 10,000 subscribers, 20,000 subscribers. Those are successful channels and you can make bank with channels. Um, even it seems like that 
you have to have big channels on YouTube to make money. Um, but in reality, you can make substantial amounts of money with smaller followings on your YouTube channel. Um, but I would get clear on those things. And then in addition to that, um, I would also make sure that when you are embarking on this journey, that if you are one of the people that are like, hey, I want to do this full time, or I want to, you know, just, you know, make a living off of this, that you approach it in that way from from jump. And what that means is, is making sure that you are like one of the things of running a business is you have to generate income. So as part of what it is that you're doing, and knowing what it is that you want, and the audience that you serve and all that, figuring out how can I monetize this in the best and fastest ways possible so that I can go full time as fast as possible. So then I can like really start, you know, like serving my community and I can really start doubling down on like my skill sets and all that stuff because I've figured out by taking the business approach, I figured out, you know, the content, the, the niches that I can thrive in. I figured out the things that are the most monetizable that align with the type of content that I want to make and things like that. So I'd focus on those things. Great question. Um, let's see here. Next up, I got to scroll down here. Um, I got, I'm looking for Doug's lightning round thing. Okay, there we go. Um, let's see here. Q helps Nick see your question. Yep, got that. Um, Eddie Roberts says, um, should I start a Facebook group right out of the gate? Um, you can, but I would just, I would focus on the skills, man, because as soon as you start a Facebook group, that's time that's going to be taken for you to manage that Facebook group. So until you start thriving on your YouTube channel, um, I would focus on learning how to thrive, like learning how to get your YouTube channel going. And then once you start getting like consistent views and stuff, you're like, okay, I'm heading in the right direction. All the videos I publish start to get an acceptable view count for where I'm at right now. Now I can start trying to like figure out other things that I might be able to, you know, to, to lead people into. Um, but I would start with just, like, if you're trying to grow a YouTube channel, I would start there and I would be like, okay, I'm putting all of my spare time right now into learning and understanding YouTube and into developing the skills that I need to, you know, to, to make it all happen. Um, how to create better how-to shorts. Make them punchy and snappy um, is one thing that I found to be more effective there is just try to get, try to you know make them punchy and snappy and share exactly what they need and then and then wrap it up. Um, let's see here. Doo -doo -doo -doo. How do you use the GoPro to get it into your live stream? Um, so this GoPro, it's actually not hooked up right now. I mean, it's hooked up. I just don't have it turned on. Um, but for that one, I just HDMI out of the GoPro and then I get it into my A10 mini. And then that, that I just select it on the A10 mini and then that brings it in. And then from there um, in the GoPro settings themselves, you can go through and you can select the option to turn off all the on display stuff. So then you don't see like the recording thing or you don't see any of the little icons on there. You just see the raw footage. A good starter camera would be your smartphone, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Deathrec Gaming says um, a good smartphone would be your would be uh, would be your best place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Smeem says I'm in high school right now and school is quite tiring. I've got little to no motivation to post new videos anymore. Is there anything that I could do to get the ball rolling again? Um, so since you're in high school, I recommend of course that you, you know, focus on making sure that you're doing good there, right? Because that's something that you need to, you know, make sure that you're putting the effort into. I know it's not what you want to hear. I barely made it through high school myself, but I made sure that I did. <laughs> so, but like, make sure that, you know, you do, you know, put the effort that you need into that, even if it does take a lot of your energy, because you want to have that. Um, <clears throat> like you want to, you know, you want to do well there. Um, but 
when it comes to um, your YouTube channel. Um, one, if you like right now, especially if you're in high school, there's, there's all these other activities that you're doing right now that are also taking up a lot of time. So one thing that you might want to think about is like, okay, out of all of the activities that I'm doing, um, once school is finished, like what things could I, like what one thing could I, would I be okay not doing so that I could focus time on my YouTube channel and then don't do that thing and then focus on your YouTube channel. So for example, if you're spending a lot of time watching Netflix, you're spending a lot of time on TikTok, right? Like go look at your phone, look at your screen time, see the apps that you're spending time on. And you might be surprised that you're spending a lot of time watching content that you could be making content. So because of that, if that means like, hey, I'm not gonna watch TikTok every month or I'm not gonna spend any time, I'm gonna spend 0% of time on YouTube or any social media app, every week until I complete a YouTube video. Once I complete a YouTube video, my reward for completing that YouTube video and getting that thing done that I want to do is that I get to spend some, you know, extra time on social media and, you know, analyzing other people's stuff and all that. But, um, but just look for those little things that you can give up in order to make space for the things that you want to do. Um, great question though. John Ertle says how to get viewers on a new channel besides optimizing search. Um, optimizing search is a great first path because then that, like when people are looking for your content, it's easy to get them to respond to it. And then once they respond to it, that tells YouTube that this type of person's interested in this type of content, which, you know, helps long-term. So that's a great way to start. Um, but when it comes to getting viewers outside of YouTube search, that's where you have to start spending tons of, um, time, effort, and energy learning how to get people to click on what it is that you're doing. And and then of course, learning how to serve them in the content and create a great experience for them. Because getting people to click is one thing, but you also have to get them to enjoy the content. If you can, if you can spend the time learning how to do those things and you can get those in place, then YouTube will take care of it from there. But at the end of the day, what you have to make sure that you're focusing on is like that viewer experience. If you can create a good one, then YouTube will continue to show your content to people and you'll be able to thrive on YouTube for quite some time. Um, if you are like just trying to like hurry up and get it all going, then in that case, you know, you're probably going to like miss some stuff and it might be a little bit, you know, more difficult to get rolling. So I would just make sure that you are focusing on, you know, on, on learning how to do the, to do the thing um, in terms of making the good content and learning how to get people to respond to it from the recommendation features. And then once you do that, then you're going to have that skill set and you'll be able to apply that everywhere. Um, so I would make sure that you, you know, focus on those things. Uh, Renee Ritchie says, uh, what creator features would you most want to see from YouTube in 2023? Whoa. Okay. So, uh, let's see here. What creator features would I most like to see? Um, so I would love to see, um, man, this is a, this is a good one, man. I wish you would have asked me this earlier in the stream when my brain was more fresh. <laughs> so, uh, what would I like to see on, on YouTube in 2023 in terms of features? I would love to see a comment feed. So I know that we have it inside of like the YouTube Creator Studio app where, you know, you can go and you can see your, you know, your, your comments there and you can just kind of go through them that way. But when you are in there and you know this cause you're a creator. So when you go in there, um, you get to see all the like new comments that are coming in, but you have to look to find like any replies and things like that. I think I would love to see a Twitter like feed to where you can see like, okay, these are the new comments. These are the comments that, you know, people replied to that I should go and reply through there. So we can start having actual conversations. Like when it comes to, uh, when it comes to YouTube, it's a community thing, right? Like the culture of YouTube and you know, you know this, I'm just saying it for, you know, everybody else in the chat, but the culture of YouTube is what makes YouTube what it is, right? It's the culture. That's what makes people like want to come from other platforms and come here. I mean, the money is good too, but like, you know, that culture of YouTube is, you know, one of the things that kind of glues everybody to YouTube. So I think that creating the community side and doubling down on like, okay, how can we make it 
better and easier for viewers to interact with the content creators and for the creators to interact with their viewers, um, I think that would be fantastic. Because for example, I would love to open up my Creator Studio app and go to the comment section. And when I go to the comment section, instead of just seeing all the new replies, seeing like, you know, all of the all of the things so I can actually start having real conversations without having to isolate it down to a, you know, a video and then going in and looking within, you know, the comments of that video for the ones that have been replied to and all that uh, or the ones that, you know, that I should reply to again because they're trying to have a conversation, being able to see that and just have like, you know, in public conversations with everybody, um, you know, right there um, in the comment section, I think that would make the comment section a lot more lively and, and a lot more for us as the creators, I think that would help us connect with our communities at a much deeper level. So having something like that, I think would be great. Um, in addition to that, um, yeah, D says it right here. I was just getting ready to say that, uh, mobile live tagging. Um, so when it comes to live streams, um, and I think we've mentioned this before, but like, um, like, like right now, um, I don't know if you have access to my um, stats or not, or if you can see that stuff, but, um, but like if you go into my channel right now, most of the people that are hanging out here right now, they're on a mobile device. Like most of the people that are watching the stream right now, they're on a mobile phone. And since it's difficult to tag people, that creates a barrier between like somebody being able or wanting to engage and have conversations with others in the chat, which puts a limitation on the interaction that we can have. So like, for example, if I'm like, um, like let's say I'm, I'm in bed and my girlfriend's already asleep and I'm like, hey, let me just go and hop into somebody's live stream and I'm wanting to sit there and interact and I can't, I mean, I can, but I don't even get confirmation. Even if I spell it out, I do the at and then I'll do like, you know, the name and then their underscore and then the name or the space or whatever. I don't even get a linked converse, or a confirmation to even know that I did it correctly, that they'll properly get tagged, right? So, um, so having that whole thing built out for me, I think that would be fantastic. Both of those things I think would be helpful on the, on the community side um, of YouTube. Um, D would love to see, um, you know, improved content ID detection. You know, that whole thing you, you already know is a huge issue, but getting all that sorted to where people that make music to where it's just much easier for them to be able to control the music, um, you know, and all that, that would be, that would be great um, to where, you know, the, the content ID system wasn't, or there was another version. Cause like right now we have our copyright um, pages in our, in our YouTube channels, but even that it doesn't work. So like, for example, like um, D will upload videos um, of some of our music content to other YouTube channels. They've been up there for months and months and months and months, and they've never shown up in the, in the content um, area of the main YouTube channel for the music stuff. So like that whole thing is broken, right? So having it to where that would at least be accurate to where it'd be easier for people to keep track of just their content in general, not just music, but just their content in general, making it to where it's just more, you know, widespread that way would be fantastic. Um, let's see here. What else? Um, I think that, um, so we talked about the, the chat thing. Yeah. I, I think those things would be the things that I would focus on right now. Cause those are actual like limiting things, right? Like I'm sure there's stuff that could happen to, you know, make everything, you know, else better, but in terms of, you know, things that kind of limit interactions that people can have, um, I would like, if YouTube was mine, I would be trying to fix those so that I could just get more people like interacting with it. Because, you know, like if, 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 if I have the option to tag people on my phone, then I'm going to be a lot more likely to just talk in the chat because me, and I'm sure you run into this problem too, because people know you. So like when, when I go into a chat, like a lot of times, 
if I'm on my phone, I won't even say anything. And the reason I don't say anything is because I know that depending on the chats that I'm hanging out in, like let's say I go into my brother's chat or Daniel Batal's chat, then in that case, like if I say something, there's gonna be a lot of people just because of the crossover in our communities that are gonna be like, oh, hey Nick, hey Nick, hey Nick. And then I'm gonna feel like a jerk because I can't tag people and you know, all of that. So because of that, I just don't engage at all just because I want to avoid me feeling like a jerk, right? <laughs> and I want to avoid other people not feeling like they weren't recognized or something like that because I wasn't able to, you know, tag them when they were, you know, shouting me out or whatever. So, you know, those things um, are things that I would definitely, uh, definitely work on. And then of course, I know you guys are already working on it, but um, in addition to that, also making that bridge just a little bit better. Um, and I'm, I know that you, that it's being worked on right now, but just that bridge um, a little bit better between you know, like the short form and long form um, content. But I know all of that stuff is being tuned, you know, right now anyway. Um, but just so it's just, uh, you know, just as many easy paths as possible to get people from YouTube shorts into long form um, content um, or, you know, just more, you know, involved in the um, long form content from the shorts. Um, let's see here. Next question that we have is from Sean D. Wispelare. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I apologize if not. Says, is the following too small of a niche? The creative resource for fitness professionals. By creative resource, I'm not sure what you mean there. Um, but if you're serving fitness professionals, then, you know, if you have fitness professionals as your target audience and that's who you're serving, as long as you can do, you know, like with whatever creative, uh, what did you say there? Creative resources means um, for that, as long as there's a big enough market for it, then I think you're fine. Um, but if you're like researching it and you're like, yeah, this probably isn't something that fitness people are going to be doing on a regular basis. Then in that case, you know, you might want to just think of a wider thing that you might be a wider net you'll be able to cast to be able to serve the fitness professional uh, community. Jigsaw puzzle, uh, uh, smoke and ivories. What's going on? Hope you're doing great. Um, Jigsaw puzzles and jam says, how does sponsorship work? Who makes first contract pricing, et cetera. So the pricing is going to come down to you. In some cases, the sponsors are going to, um, offer pricing to you. Um, they'll say, you know, Hey, we're giving, you know, this much for a sponsored video. And then you can negotiate from there. Um, in other cases, they're going to ask you, you know, what you're, you know, what you're charging for, you know, different placements, um, in terms of how it works of who makes the first contact, um, that can be them or you, depending on what's going on. So if you want to be aggressive, then you can be out there putting yourself out there trying to interact with the companies that you're trying to work with, sending them media kits, things like that, trying to contact their influencer marketing people so that they can at least know that you're available in case they want to work with you so that you basically your whole thing there is just like, hey, I want to get on their radar. Um, so, you know, doing that is definitely a thing you can do. If you want to be extremely passive about it, then you just focus on making awesome content and growing your community and then you'll have brands reaching out to you over time. Um, but but for all of that, um, you know, when it comes to that first contact thing, that's going to come down to, you know, like if you want to like go after it, then by all means, you can go after it. Um, but if you don't, if you're like, hey, I'm not a salesperson, I don't want to be trying to hit people up all the time and things like that, then in that case, you're just going to have to sit back and wait for them to email you. Um, when it comes to pricing, you're going to have to decide what it's worth for you. There's formulas for it you can find online. I don't support those formulas. The reason I don't support those formulas is because they're in favor of the companies and they don't consider like the worth of a content creator. They don't consider the worth of the brand of a content creator. They don't consider the wear and tear on camera equipment. They don't consider, you know, all of those things. They don't consider the time that you spend interacting with the companies. Those formulas only look at view counts and average view counts. And that's the only thing that matters to them. Um, but instead, I encourage you to think about everything involved in making content when you're 
pricing what it is that you're doing. I encourage you to think about the value that your brand has with the community that you have. I can I encourage you to consider the engagement that you have um, when you do put out content and the way that people are interacting with your content and the value that you can bring to the brands through the way that people are interacting with your content as well. Um, next up, we've got, um, how do you make unique? Oh, hey, Renee, another thing. And um, actually, uh, Jerry's comment here saying voiceover and shorts creator tool. Um, so another thing that I think YouTube should have as well um, is they should also, I mean, it's a video platform and I know there's processing, which is probably why they don't do this, but it would also be awesome if YouTube just like really flushed out their editor to where people that either can't afford editing software um, or they don't have a computer that's strong enough to run, you know, free software to where they could actually log into YouTube and actually upload their videos in there and edit it like have like a full editing suite inside of YouTube. Um, I know on the processing side that might be massive for rendering. So that might be why you guys don't do it. Um, but that would also be a really cool feature just for people that are just trying to get into it. And they're trying to use YouTube as an opportunity to, you know, change their lives and the lives of people around them. Um, I think that would be a really, uh, a really cool thing as well. And I mean, considering that it's a video platform, <laughs> like you would think that that would just be a part of it anyway. Um, but you know, I think that would be a huge value add to um, people that are just getting started. Um, let's see here. Uh, Makito TV says, how do you make unique videos in very popular niches like movies? Um, you got to find either a unique angle for it. You need to um, kind of combine niches. So basically what you can do is you can be like, okay, here's how people are doing it in the movie world. Now let's go watch tons of other videos on other types of things and see if I could apply any of that type of stuff to what it is that, you know, that I'm going to be doing in the movie content to make it more unique. Um, in addition to that, you doing the content is a unique element for the content. So, um, so the angle that you can take can be uh, you know one of the unique elements but also you adding like you putting the content together in the way that you think it should be put together adding the information that you think should be added to the videos to make them interesting that is a thing that separates you from other people so for example just because you watch my content i'll use myself as an example here but like one of the things that um that you know you'll see when you watch my type of or my type of content is we all talk about you know the same ideas right we all say the same things in terms of like in a nutshell you gotta learn how to get people to enjoy your content and then we'll break all that stuff down we'll share all kinds of different tips and tricks and tools and all that stuff that you can use to do it. But at the end of the day, out of all the types of people that watch, that make content like mine, you watch me and then you have select other ones that you watch as well. You may or may not watch everybody that you've ran across. You're going to end up resonating with some more than others. That person might be me. It might end up being, uh, you know, uh, 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 Ed over at Film Booth. It might end up being Nate over at Channel Makers. It might end up being Brian G. Johnson. It might end up being, you know, somebody else. But, but the idea is that within a niche of content, different people are going to resonate with different content creators. Um, so, you you know, because of that, um, you know, just make sure that the you side of what it is that you're doing and, and, and your input into the content and your creativity that you're adding to it, like in a lot of cases, that's enough to separate you. But of course, I would look for, you know, other things that you can do to stand out, like, you know, adding elements from other types of content and things like that. Um, let's see here. Um, please tell about the safety from a hacker. Okay, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, so in terms of safety from your YouTube channel, one, make sure, I mean, you have to have two-factor authentication turned on now, so just make sure that that's set up. In addition to that, also make sure that you are, um, uh, make sure that the email that you have and your about me 
on your about me page, your business inquiry email, make sure that that email is not the same email that is connected to your YouTube account. The reason for that is because you're basically giving people a starting point. Um, in addition to that, try not to publicly give out too much information um, around things that people can find via your YouTube channel. Um, because if you do that, then people can also use that information to you know get access to things as well. Um, so basically just try to make sure that you're keeping all of that you know under control. Um, Zen Bloke says, I make content on my PS5 with Share Factory Studio using a green screen with no problems, but when I live stream, I get green screen fog with the same setup help. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what the solution is for that. Um, I'm not sure, like um, lighting, I guess, would be the main thing for that. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could help you there, but unfortunately, Zen Bloke, I, 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 don't have the, um, I don't have the answer to that one. Hopefully somebody else has the, a suggestion for you in the chat. Um, gardening with Bear Brown says, what should be the focus once you hit a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours? Figuring out what got you there and how you can serve that community in the best way possible. In addition to that, I would definitely make sure that you are researching other channels in your space, looking at their channels to see the type of content that they're putting out that typically gets, you know, the best results. Make sure you're looking at recent content for that. Um, and then start trying to think of, you know, complimentary videos that you can make or unique videos that you could make that, you know, those types of viewers would also, um, also enjoy. But basically the idea is if you can get a thousand subscribers, you can get a hundred thousand, you can get a million because you have that proof of concept with a thousand random people. It's just filling it. It's just filling the gap between reaching that 1000 and reaching those bigger numbers with providing value to the people that are interacting with your content. And you figure that out by looking at the content that got you to that 1000 hours and 4000 hours of watch time. And you start thinking like, okay, why did people respond better to these videos that did well compared to the videos that didn't? And then testing the theories that you come up with against new content that you publish. Um, let's see here. Um, so real world natural living says I've gained some subs from some fun shorts that are unrelated to my normal content. Is this a good strategy? No. So what you want to do is when you are publishing long form, like if it's coming from the same channel, you want to be making content that serves the same audience. The reason for that is because YouTube has, um, recently over the last few months, they've built a bridge, so to speak, between short form and long form content. What that means is if somebody enjoys your shorts content, they're more likely to get recommended your long form content. So if you make content that's unrelated to your long form content in the short shelf, then YouTube might recommend some of your content to those people, but because it's not something that they're really interested in, they're not going to respond to it, which then is going to hurt that response to that video, which means that YouTube is going to be less likely to show it to other people that are enjoying the shorts if everybody that's enjoying the shorts isn't clicking on the long form content. So because of that, you want to make sure that you try to stay in alignment with the audience that you're serving. All right. And on that note, I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. I do want to remind you that this stream is po made possible by TubeBuddy and StreamYard, as well as the other channel sponsors. Um, so make sure that you do check out everything that I have listed in the description of this stream right now. Um, make sure that you do also check out Creator Mix, which is our free music service for YouTube content creators. Make sure that you check out TubeSpanner.com, which is a YouTube toolkit if you haven't yet as well. And um, besides that, have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Um, I will be live streaming next week. I'm going to be streaming with my brother D. Not sure if we're going to be doing it in the old studio, if we're going to be doing it here, not sure yet, but um, make sure that you come and hang out for the, um, that's going to be our Christmas stream. It's going to be Christmas Eve on our side, and it'll be morning Christmas Eve on your side. So I'm not sure how it's going to do, but if you are somebody that's just kind of chilling out in the morning time on Christmas Eve, make sure you swing by and hang out there for some more YouTube information. That particular one's probably going to be a little bit different. It's probably going to be a lot more conversational. We'll be answering questions and stuff, but it might not be as focused as this. If you ever hung 
hung out in some of the old streams, you'll know what I mean by when I say that. But um, definitely make sure that you check it out because it's going to be a really good time. And um, on that note, make sure you hit the like button on the way out. And um, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out. And I do want to remind you if you are a new content creator, I know during these streams, we share a lot of information about a lot of different things. I answered like 42 questions today. And out of those questions, you might have heard a lot of information and think like, man, I got so much stuff I have to do. Um, you might, and YouTube you know, is hard, but just keep in mind that it's just a learning curve is all it is. And there's just things that you need to learn and things you need to understand and get into place so that you can thrive on YouTube if you're not already. So just make sure that you don't look at it as this huge mountain, but instead look at it as just small steps that you have to take and little you know details that you have to learn so that you can you know do the thing. So if you really want to thrive on YouTube, just remember that everything is about the viewer experience. So focusing on just making awesome content for people and learning the skills that you need to do or that you need to in order to make great content for people. And if you can focus on that, then you'll do awesome. So just um, you know have a great weekend and make sure that you don't look at this as like an overwhelming thing. Because trust me, if I can do this stuff and if my brother can do this stuff, you can definitely do this stuff. So <laughs> so just just learn how to do it. That's all you got to do. So have a great weekend. Um, in case. I don't see you next weekend. Have a very Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, depending on whatever it is that you celebrate. Just have an awesome one. And um, in case I don't see you on New Year's, have a Happy New Year's as well. And um, I will see you next time.